Hey, Insiders, it's Michael. Before we begin, just want to remind you all that LA Goalkeeping Academy has free virtual training sessions every weekend. This is real goalkeeper training with real goalkeeper coaches. For more info, contact LA Goalkeeping Academy at gmail.com. Thanks to LAGKA for partnering with us, and on with the show. Welcome to Inside the 18. I'm Michael Majid, live from Palm Desert, California, at my dad's house. With me is 99 World Cup winner Saskia Weber in Los Angeles. No Omar Zini from Pro GK Academy today, but that's okay because we've got somebody who can fill the tactical void for us. We have <laughs> the one and only writer for The Athletic. You know him as Joe and Cleats on Twitter. Also co-host for MLS Assist. The one and only Joe Lowry is joining Inside the 18, and he's scared for what he's just signed up for. <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. I feel, like, I feel like I can't decide if I would rather be introduced before or after a World Cup winner, because it seems like a lose-lose <laughs> to me. Um, but Michael, I appreciate the introduction, and I'm very glad to be honest. Just be glad Omar's not here. <laughs> now, now for because, the, the, I mean, that's the hardest to follow. Oh, oh man. Oh, yeah. Oh, look, Instagram, greatest goalkeeper coach in the world, oh, right? Greatest great, 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 ever. <laughs> <laughs> so to fill to fill Joe in on that story, when uh, when Omar got his first college gig, uh, he came into the uh, the coach's head coach's office, and the coach said, you know, so what do you, what do you think about yourself in regards to as a coach? He's like, he's like, well, to be honest with you, he's like, uh, I mean, I honestly think I'm I'm probably one of the top, you know, five I, goalkeeper coaches in the world. In the world, in the world. coming out strong. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so we've never let him live that down. No, no. should you guys. And, and, neither, and neither did the coach, by the way. He's like, really? <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll see about that. Yeah. I, think, I think he said something like, Omar, you're not even one of the top five coaches in this city. So, yeah. <laughs> I think it was in the state of California. Oh, it might have been. Oh, maybe, maybe it was the state. Okay, I'll, I'll give him a little bit more credit right there. He's come a long way. Uh, Joe, before we, before we get started, for those of you guys you know, who are listening right now who might not be familiar with MLS Assist, and uh, shout out to, to what you guys do, you and Jordan, with MLS Assist. Uh, it's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on. You guys have such a great tactical eye for the game. Can, can you just kind of just break down that show a little bit for the audience? Absolutely, Michael. Thank you for the, for the plug, first of all. Um, yeah, so MLS Assist is a podcast that Jordan Angeli and myself are putting together in partner in a partnership with the Total Soccer Show, so with Daryl and Taylor, as well as sort of with The Athletic, because The Athletic now is a part of the TSS network or vice versa. Um, I get lost in the weeds and I'm in the weeds, literally. So don't worry too much about that. But Jordan and I go through and we'll look at tactics of MLS games when we actually have them. Or we'll go through, answer listener questions and just have fun talking about some of the more tactical and strategic side of Major League Soccer. Yeah, I mean, and, and I think one of the really cool things about that is that, you know, one of the reasons we wanted to have you on is because I think a lot of times that's lost on goalkeeping content. A mm. lot of times the goalkeeping content is just focused on just the technical aspect of the goalkeeping position or just tacticals in regards to starting positions for goalkeepers, but not really understanding how they, they work in regards to the systems of the team. So I'm really excited that we're going to get into that uh, today. But uh, before we do that, um, obviously, there's been a lot going on in the news in the, in the past few days. And, uh, you know, one thing I want to say is just uh, I'm really, really happy with all the, the outpouring of support we've gotten from the goalkeeping community in regards to the fact that we did 
did make a stand on, on Monday, you know, on the show and, 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 and state, you know, how we felt, you know, personally, uh, as people, as human beings. And, uh, I know Saskia, I, I think you had a few words that you just kind of wanted to give some advice to, to some young goalkeepers out there in regards to how they can benefit their community and, and, and help in inclusion of others. I just, you know, I think you're, I think their generation is going to get it right, to be honest with you. I think, um, they see things so different than us, our younger goalkeepers and everything, whether it's um, with, you know, the LGBTQ community, whether it's with having like a trans friends in school, um, they don't see it the way our, like, unfortunately, our, some of our generation does and the older generation and everything. And um, I had a great conversation with Michelle Akers uh, yesterday and um, just kind of talking about like our relationship as teammates and stuff like that. But also she asked me questions and, and, you know, I love Michelle. She's one of the greatest people ever. She's the greatest soccer player ever. Um, but it was awesome that she like kind of, um, put herself out there, reached out and asked questions and wanted to know like if I had ever been offended, if, um, she questioned herself, which was in at my opinion for Michelle was, um, ridiculous because she's absolutely one of the most incredible human beings you're ever going to meet in your life if you have the pleasure um and opportunity and i think she's watching the podcast right now so oh. if you are michelle Akers, welcome um you but, were talking to michelle Akers yesterday i was talking to joe lowry so i don't know who <laughs> I, I think i win um, i think yeah, i think michael we're gonna lose that battle i'm, not sure I think, we go that I'm far. sorry joe now you have to follow that one too um, no it's fine i'm used to it <laughs> no so i thought and i said to michelle and i thought the most important thing was to have those conversations don't be afraid and talk um it, and and you know that's that's a good thing it's a good thing if you're if you're questioning something about a friend of yours or or, or yourself or or anything like oh be open communicate like get to the bottom of it and we'll go so far um you know don't hide behind like embarrassment or shame or confusion um and um, put yourself out there and you know we had we had an amazing talk and although she did say that strikers are better than any goalkeeper ever and i was like whoa <laughs> and we went down that road and i said well you know i was the one that had to stand and goal every time you're practicing shooting so thank you <laughs> because <laughs> she kind of helped make me who i who i am and became um but uh but it was a very candid, open conversation. And it, to be able to have those conversations, and even if it's you parents out there having conversations with your kids and stuff, you have to. You can't be in this day and age and with everything going on, you have to talk to people. You have to talk to each other. You have to talk to your kids, especially because they're confused. They're on lockdown. They went from COVID to now to, to, to I'm on a one o'clock curfew here. So, you know, you have to explain those things and, and really um, be transparent. I mean, I, I think, you know, one of the, one of the greatest things that, uh, that happens with, uh, with soccer and, you know, Joe, you know, I'm, I'm going to, you know, plug you guys as well too. You know, I mean, obviously we're very excited that MLS and NWSL are both coming back and both leagues have been very inclusive. Both leagues have been very inclusive and in regards to representation and, you know, showcasing, you know, kind of the best of humanity, uh, a lot of the times, you know, 
and and obviously even even yourself you know even with uh with with, with everything you guys have going on at the athletic there's a very diverse community over there at the athletic uh, of, of different types of writers from all sorts of different uh you know uh, backgrounds and different walks of life so you know um i i just think as as ourselves as journalists and media personalities out there you know it is our responsibility to keep educating um and also recognizing when we don't know something and and just being willing to to listen and learn, you know. And let's be honest, and you can test to this, Joe, and stuff like that. Like, soccer isn't uh, isn't clean. Soccer yeah. has had a horrible reputation, especially in Europe and other places, for for racism. Horrible. Um, so you know, although I feel that my that playing soccer, I told you the other day, like it's where I found my equal footing. Nobody judged me because I was, you know interracial nobody it, it was just if i could play but that's not the case across the board and we know the hooligans out there that that spew the hatred and everything and yes fifa's taking a stand and we've seen them shut games down in europe for it um but it's bec- but they're still doing it and, and the fact that it's it's still there and present in today's society is is heartbreaking, but um, we have to identify it. We can't push it under the rug, and we have to confront it head on. I think that one thing that we, Saskia and I and Omar agreed on is that, you know, we need to keep educating the goalkeepers out there, and this is our outlet to do it. So we want to make sure that we're providing them a platform to speak as well, too. So if you want to leave comments in the comment th- section, you know, we'll, we'll get to you guys. And, you know, DM us, you know, anything we can do to help out the, the community is 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 what we want to want to do um and, and with that that being said you know whenever we feel comfortable in this conversation joe uh to move into into soccer I, i'm i'm totally down um i'm also you know uh willing to keep this conversation going you know it's up it's up to you guys where, where we want to go so. yeah i just i think we just talked about the other day we have to identify it i don't want i didn't want to be one of those people who's like hey what's up it's inside 18 and all is happy and good you know, we have to identify that things are going on and t- touch on that. And then, you know, and then, yeah, yeah, let's talk about soccer because we all need, we all need a, an emotional and a mental break from this negativity and this, this nightmare that's going on in our society right now and take those minutes and take an hour out of our life to think about soccer. And that's 100% okay. Well, then I'm going to turn it over to the the guy that knows soccer better than all of any of us right here uh, on the that show. Seems right generous, here. but I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> I know. You, my my favorite thing is like when Saskia's like, it's like I don't know. I just played. I'm like, I'm like, you won a World Cup. She's like, yeah, but you know, I mean, like, there's people that know soccer, and then there's people that know soccer. You know, and, I don't uh, know, but I like. I can't stop staring at his hair. <laughs> <laughs> it's so like perfect. I don't oh, know yeah, what it's it doing is. today. It's fine. We'll move. Yeah, no, it looks good. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, no Michael and I are obviously still on lockdown, <laughs> which you are not because we both have baseball yeah. caps on. So. Yeah. I've got literally, I've been wearing a cap almost all of lockdown. My <laughs> hair, I've got the wings flying on both sides. It is, it is crazy. Speaking of wings flying on both sides, let's get into substance of play, guys. Ooh, that was uh, good. Look at that oh, segue well right there. Segue, uh, segue. I did that. Oh, I don't ever want to do that dance again. Um, so for those of you guys who don't know, today's topic is the goalkeeper's role in different systems of play. Um, Joe, for people out there who might be parents, who might be not familiar with soccer terminology, can you kind of break down systems of play for them? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I've always viewed systems of play as tactical instructions or principles established before games actually happen, right? So maybe let's contrast that with formations, right? So you could play a 4-3-3 formation in a specific game 
but you could play any number of ways within that formation. You could, you could press high up the field and have that be your, your main overarching system. Um, maybe that means once you get the ball, you play quickly and directly towards goal. Or you could play more possession style and reserved within that 4-3-3 shape and hold on to the ball a little bit more and be patient and try to make bigger pockets of space before you go upfield and exploit those. So I think that sort of gets at the difference there between those things. And that's always helped me understand what exactly systems are. They're more styles than anything. At least that's how I've always viewed them. So I th- see, I think that's something that's always confused me a lot of times in regards to, you know, when I was growing up and, and learning the game is that, I always confused shape for a system of play. And Saskia, I don't know if you ever, ever ran into that where a lot of people would be like, oh, what, you know, what system do you play? And then they go, oh, well, we play 4-4-2. And you go, yeah, but I don't, I, you know, but what do you do with that 4-4-2? Well, I think, like, I agree with you, Joe. You know, this is, a, this is a concept you go into the game with, but things change. They're fluid right. within the game. Right. Like, you know, with the national team, we have three up front. Are, you, are we att- we're doing high pressure? Are you attacking immediately? Then once you're up, five nothing or something then you're going to slow the game down mm-hmm. drop back you're not going to push those those your team forward you're going to kind of settle into things and everything so although you're in a shape in a system that system kind of ebbs and flows with the, with the situation and with the system the other team's playing Absolutely. you know you're, you're gonna have to if you're getting your butt kicked you know, and, you know, you, you come out with a three back and you're getting run over, um, you're going to have to change and you're going to have to adapt. And most, you know, obviously most of the teams I played on, everybody adapted to us. And I'm not trying to be like arrogant about that or anything, but it's true. So, I think all I think all I think all those uh, those World Cup titles I think uh, do yeah, it for it's, you. It's I don't fine. Think you need to. It's okay. Yeah. No, but it's true. So but but at the same time, you know, you you, you in that system, you still you tweak things and you move. Things Absolutely. Around. Yeah. It's not concrete. Right. And I think that is important to mention. I'm glad you did that Saskia because it's not, if you go into a game completely rigid, um, even if you have the best team in the world and you don't adapt tactically to what the other team is doing within your system and within your shape, um, you're going to run into trouble. So I guess it, they're all intertwined, which is maybe where some of the confusion comes in, but hopefully that still gives a good baseline for us to operate with for this episode. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that, that's, that's one of the things that I think is, is really good that we brought, they brought that up is that having to be able to make that adjustment and being flexible, because I think one thing that scares a lot of goalkeepers, I think a lot of times is when they, they join a new team and they play a different system. And then they start freaking out because the coach gets mad. It was like, well, my other goalkeeper used to blah, 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 be able to do this. And now you're, now you can't handle the ball the way I wanted. And you're, you're playing higher than I want you. I want you dropping back and stuff like that. And now it's, they start really getting concerned about, it and they start having self doubt in themselves hmm. because the coach hasn't helped them become an integral part of that system. So like, kind of like joking, you kind of break it down. Like what, what systems rely heavily on the goalkeeper offensively? Um, I mean, I think, First and foremost, when you think about goalkeepers contributing offensively, where it starts in my mind is, is them passing the ball out of the back, right? So examples of that, just from the context of the United States, first and foremost, the men's national team right now is, is big on that. Greg Berhalter has implemented that style with Zach Steffen and with Sean Johnson and with Brad Guzan and whoever else is playing goalkeeper for the United States. He's big on having those guys play short passes from the back, look to exploit space with the ball at their feet. So that's, I think that's one way that we see that. And then think about also when you're a possession team like the U.S. is trying to be, or maybe LAFC, uh, you've got that hat on Saskia. With LAFC, oh, the way Bob Bradley wants to play with Kenneth, Kenneth Vermeer, he wants um, him to be playing out of the back, but also when LAFC moves higher up the field, he's required to step high as well. So there are offensive and defensive responsibilities there too because you have to control space 
without the ball. So that's, that's one system. I think possession is a big one for that. The other one that came to mind quickly thinking about this is that more defensively inclined, but not like sit back and, and counterattack kind of defending, but get high up the field, keep play on the opposing half, counterpress, attack again, counterpress, attack again, that sort of style, right. which again is intertwined with possession because soccer is not a static sport. But if you're playing even more of a, a quote unquote defensively inclined system that involves moving the ball quickly instead of keeping it, your goalkeeper also is required to distribute quickly from the back and then defensively, again, move high up the field, control space to prevent counterattacks. So those two systems especially, I think, have a lot of, of requirements for goalkeepers on both sides of the ball. Yeah. I'm really glad that you brought that up. Um, by the way, the fact that you brought up Vermeer just made Saskia smile. <laughs> with her, Actually, uh, it was Bob Bradley. Oh. It was well, Bob because Bradley. He, he coached at Princeton and I grew up in Princeton. I didn't um, go to Princeton. I went to Rutgers. <laughs> Sorry, mom and dad. I, should, I know I should have gone to Princeton, but I had to at least get 20 minutes out of town. <laughs> I think it ended up working out okay for you, though. I think, yeah. uh, I think, I think you did all right about that. Um, I want to ask you guys this, and because you know, we, we've talked about David De Gea on the show in regards to the, the, the downswing of David De Gea you know, in, in, in the past year or so, or at least the representation of the downswing in David De Gea in, in the past year. And I think personally, and I don't know, Joe or Sask, how you feel about that, but I think a lot of it has to do with what, Joe, you were referring to that defensive system that Jose Mourinho played at Manchester United. His best years, I would say, is when Jose Mourinho was at Man U. Well, and I have, I have a question about that, actually, because I haven't watched a ton of Manchester United or David De Gea in the last three, four, five years even. But I do, I do wonder your guys' perspective on this. Are goalkeepers who play in that more... Jose Mourinho's style, where there's not as much requirement to consistently have your team positioned high up the field or to play out of the back as a goalkeeper, where it seems to me at least that your job is just to stop shots and then give the ball quickly to someone on your team. Is that less, you know, less taxing for a goalkeeper? Does that mean that you have to be, that you can get away with being a little bit less well-rounded? Like, does that make sense? Because I've been wondering about it. Yeah, but, but I think at that point, obviously, with De Gea, you better be well-rounded with Regardless, like at that point, I think I will say this out loud. I think the reason De Gea, De Gea got his downfall is because Franz Hook stopped coaching him. Sorry, and mm. that is what I'm going to say, and that that is why I have an issue with it. But I think that I think that if you allow yourself at that level to kind of not get lazy, but have that kind of downturn because you're it's not as taxing. No, you're still involved in everything like that. And, you can still the ball can still be played through you right and everything and you you know you can still keep yourself on point um i wouldn't i i wouldn't just want to be a shot stopper i wouldn't just want to be back there and not involved like i i wouldn't i want to be played through i want to um one of my favorite things was i was always loving to you know hit that 70 yard ball and and you know get get an attack going right yeah. away and, and, and or bypassing that first line of defense and getting it up into the midfield outside wide and going instant attack. Like that was how I played. That's what, how Brian would been played. And um, it was that mentality. I like that. I like being involved. Like I told Michael, I liked being like the first pass on attack. That's mm -hmm. how I looked at it, you know? Yeah. As far yeah. as De Gea, like, I mean, do I think, you know, he had a bad year last, last year. We all do. So I won't be that hard on him. I, 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 want, I, I want to talk about this, though, because I think, you know, you brought up about taxing. Personally, I think that when you're less involved in the, the attack, when you're, playing a, when you're playing a deeper position, it's more taxing because teams are funneling. Your team is essentially allowing pressure to come into you 
So you're getting probably more mm. action, quote right. unquote. Yeah. As opposed to when you're actually involved with the game, you're probably getting less action because you're you're more involved in the, for lack of a better term, the distribution aspect sure. or the positional aspect. Uh, you know, on the field. Um, oh, wait, hold on. You got it. What, what? We, got, we got a good one here. Oh, we Brian. Did. Okay. Brian. Okay. Uh, Hook is uh, great in some ways, but highly arrogant in others. He has all the answers to everything. Just ask him. Saskia's on fire. <laughs> <laughs> great. <laughs> wow. Good conclusion there. Yeah, yeah. That, I like He's the way. Added, I didn't add that. <laughs> I know, I know. It's beautiful. <laughs> He just put that in the thing right there. Um, <laughs> Joe, Joe, so let's, let's talk about the starting, <laughs> starting position because I think that's one of the things that a lot of goalkeepers have issues with is when, they, when, they change, when the coach changes the system and they're so used to playing with a certain, at a certain starting position. Hmm. I'll give an example. Someone like Tim Howard, right? Um, Tim Howard has had to adjust his starting position based on different coaches, different where, where he's played, the levels he's played at, all, all those sorts of things. Um, is this something that's difficult for a goalkeeper, do you think? Um, I mean, yeah, sorry to cut you off there. Yeah, no. I think it would be, right? You're talking about the difficulties, especially that young goalkeepers face when they're being when the system of play around them is changing or when they come into mm-hmm. a new environment. The differences, even with little small differences in starting position, has got to be has got to be challenging, right? To to see that difference and to implement it into your game and to not feel uh, vulnerable, I guess, in in a lot of ways. I think that's gotta be challenging in in that regard for sure. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. And and when that system changed around, so take Tim for example. Okay, we know he plays that high start in that high position off shots as well. So if you get into a situation and a system in front of you where that there your team's allowing that shot from thirty yards out, um, kind of saying, well, Tim's back there, you know, kind of not pressing as much there, and now Tim's off his line too far, he'll, he'll get beat. You know, he's going to get beat over top. He doesn't that often, but you know, he, he will. And so you have to you have to adjust that. And that's really hard. It's hard because we've talked about this um, even in shot stopping with Nair. She's too far near post. Um, and you know, she gets beat far post low because she she overcompensates to block her to block her near post. Trying to change that, trying to change those things in a in a goalkeeper are hard. They are. because they, they're like they're ingrained in you at a certain point and at a certain level. For younger keepers, no, you can catch them and you can work on it. But you have to be able to adapt. You have to. At, at Tim's level, at, everybody, at that level, you have to be able to adapt. But I think at the same thing, like, Joe, like, can you alter your system within a match if you're recognizing your goalkeeper struggling? I mean, that kind of speaks to what Saskia was talking about earlier, right? I think there are times where you need to adjust your system, whether that's because your goalkeeper is struggling or just because your outfield players are struggling. Like, mm-hmm. it depends on the situation. And so there are certainly times where that's going to be necessary. And that's where the whole idea of adaptability comes in. If you're a high-level player, you're going to need to, to change certain parts of your game, even if it's little small tweaks that wouldn't seem like it would make a lot of difference, that actually are going to impact the game. Those things will have to happen based off of the situation. Yeah, I mean, if you know, if you uh, and look, I love Tim, and I'm not. I'm just, I'm just using an example, okay, buddy. Um, we only use New Jersey uh, goalkeepers, by the way, as examples on this show. <laughs> because, and I agree with that 100, percent Joe. Because if 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 the other team has recognized the weakness in your keeper, 
okay, and says, hey, guys, listen, he's playing really high off his line and everything like that. Let's, let's drop that ball back and take some seriously, like, dipping shots over the top because he's out past his six setting, um, and we're going to catch him. Then your team has to realize that they found that hitch. They found that weakness, and now you have to change something in your system that somebody's got to be pressuring that ball that's, drop, that's dropping into that space where they're just lighting up your keeper. Now you've got to tweak it. Now somebody's got to play a little higher. Somebody's got to play in cover and everything like that. So now that you're closing that space where before maybe you weren't worried about it and everything and your system didn't play into that. But if you're getting, if you're getting abused in that situation, you've, you've got to change. Joe, I have a question for you um, because obviously a lot of people have been giving a lot of, and I think unfairly negative, uh, you know, uh, commentary regarding Zach Steffen's play with the U.S. Men's National Team mm. uh, in, in Greg Berhalter's system, which obviously he was familiar with from being at Columbus. Um, how, how difficult is it? Because I was speaking to some other goalkeepers in MLS who, 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 who know Berhalter, and they were expressing to me, they're like, you don't understand how difficult it is to really, you, it, it, it's, you're talking about the differences between five yards and seven yards in, in his system. And is that true? Yeah, I mean, playing for Berhalter has got to be one of the, or, or any coach like him, right? He's a good example. But playing for coaches who want to own the ball and want you to be responsible in every phase of the game, um, in addition to shot stopping, right? All of those things make Zach Stevens' like for the national team, very, very difficult, right? I've looked more specifically at his distribution in the past than more of his starting position or his shot stopping or, or those elements, just because that's something that I feel like I'm more qualified to look at. Um, but yeah, it's hard, right? It's, it's hard because every mistake you make is exposed, right? Everything you do is analyzed under magnifying glass in the way that it that it isn't for outfield players, right? You might have a high profile mistake as an outfield player, but it's not going to be magnified likely unless you're Chris Wondolowski against Belgium or something like that. It's not <laughs> going to be magnified to the extreme nature that it is for a goalkeeper. So like, for example, I know this isn't exactly what you're getting at, but I went back and looked at pretty much all of Zach Steffen's passes, like all of them for the national team. Um, this is why I love Y Scout. Because <laughs> right. I just want to give exactly. them a free plug on the show. Because that's why. Are you hanging out with Omar? Did you guys, <laughs> were you guys hanging out last Friday night? <laughs> oh, oh man! Oh man! So like, go, just going through and looking at all those passes, and you can see the areas that need improvement, right? But that's—I mean—that's a lot easier to see in a goalkeeper. I guess my point is than in a lot of outfield players, and so it's—it's it's easier in a sense to criticize them. Um, but it's hard. Yeah, that to answer your actual question, it's hard. Um, I, 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 I want to know this is that one of the things that, that happens a lot of times is, and I, this happens at the youth level a lot now is, uh, they see are watching the high level of the game and, you know, they're listening to incredible people like, you know, uh, Joe Lowry and Jordan Angeli, you know, breaking down tactics, uh, in, at the professional level. And then they start trying to incorporate these systems onto their teams and these poor kids, 10, 11 years old are just completely overwhelmed. Hmm. Um, so what advice do you kind of give like, like youth coaches, uh, when they're trying to like, let's, let's, let's take something like, uh, they're trying to do something like, a, you know, like, like, um, like a high press, uh, at like a 10, 11 year old level, like how, do, <laughs> how do they, how do they get their goalkeeper to, to not freak out? Because honestly, I think that's a terrible idea. You're going to, you're the 10, 11 year olds, just not going to be able to comprehend how to be linked like that, where they're not, parents are going to be yelling at them. Like, ah, this kid's always giving a blah, blah, blah. I don't know. I've got a lot of issues. I clearly need to vent about about youth sports. <laughs> this on is the, the chance for you to do that, Michael. Yeah, but like, what what advice do you give them? Because you know tactics, so right. So I think to start out, I want to recognize that there is, it seems to me, a real tactical deficiency in 
in a lot of the players and just in American soccer in general, right? That has to do with a lot of different factors in, in player development and coaching development, all of those things. So I think that's, that's probably a separate conversation um, for another day. But I wanted to make that clear because I do think that it's important to emphasize tactical principles and, and for players to start understanding systems of play at a young-ish age. And that's the emphasis on ish there because I don't think you want to overwhelm kids with that, right? I mean, I think back to when I was younger. You want to play soccer, right? You're there to play soccer. You're there to learn about the game. You're there to get better. And so you don't want to overwhelm any one part of that with, with large kind of overarching philosophical discussions about systems of play. <laughs> all of that said, all of that said, I do think, you know, having fun you know, is a good priority. These poor, these poor little 10 year old kids. And I, hate me, I hate meetings. So, <laughs> right. so you don't want to overwhelm kids with that. You want them to have fun and to enjoy playing the sport so that they'll keep playing it and keep enjoying the sport. But at the same time, I think it's important for goalkeepers, especially because they can see the whole field in ways that a lot of other players can't in the ways that outfield players can't especially when they're engaged in the play it's important for goalkeepers to understand the game to understand what their personal requirements are in a high press as well as what the team is supposed to be doing so at 10 11 probably not the right time for that right um yeah. but as you start to progress maybe it's not a whole lot later than that like maybe maybe it's around 13 or you know whatever they really start showing interest on an individual basis and then if they're still not there yet maybe it's more required as you continue to develop but I don't think it should be overlooked. It also can't be introduced too early. So it's, it's a catch 22 sort of. Yeah. Yeah. You can't introduce that too early. I mean, uh, you know, first of all, do you, do you, you know, do you have the right kids to do a high press? Right. <laughs> like, exactly. do, you know, you can't just say, I want to do this and I, it's, I'm going to make it happen. But I think that's yeah. a problem with a lot of youth coaches. It's like, they just go like, they, they you, just watch Pep's documentary and they go, Oh, that, <laughs> yeah, that's like, how I'm going to do this. <laughs> do you have, do you have the athletes to do something like that? You know, can yeah. your kids run at that level for that long? 11 right. and 12. And is Johnny on the left side picking daisies while everybody else is pressing? <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause then everything falls apart. So, so, so glad he didn't use Joey, by the way. <laughs> I know. Sometimes I do that. Um, so, so yeah, I think that is, but I don't, think it's too early to start excluding sure. start messing around with it and to get a group but you're gonna have to play as a young coach with young kids you're gonna have to play around with different um systems and stuff to Absolutely. see what is right for your for your clientele what can your kids actually do right you know, you know and it depends thing, on your environment as well absolutely it's one thing that you can pick and choose the best from here and there and say this is the system i'm picking you i'm picking you i'm picking you to play this system because i know you and you and you can do what i want as opposed to you know you got 10 11 12 year olds and you're still teaching them um so there you know you gotta you gotta work with that and, and I've got it. Sorry, I don't want to steal hosting jobs from Michael, but I'm curious here because I was especially looking forward to this, not only to meet you guys, but also to learn more about the goalkeeper position and how that's coached. And so I want to take advantage of that. When just continue. Joe, you're coming press. back, by the way, dude. You're, I would love to you're be back. incredible. I mean, I would love to be back. Guys. Both you and Jordan, I mean, we'll know more about tactics than like we'll ever, <laughs> we'll ever know. So. Um, so thank you. Thank you, Michael. You're too kind. Um, <laughs> so when you're coaching, just to keep using the high press example, because I don't want to get too caught up on that because we're trying to talk generally here, but I'm curious about the specifics. If you guys were tasked with coaching, you know, let's say a high school age kid um, on how to play goalkeeper in a high pressing system, what were some of what would be some of the general principles that you guys would instruct them to do within that system? I mean, w one thing that I would say for them to understand first off is like is they have they need to understand pressure cover balance completely because mm -hmm. if they right. don't understand pressure cover balance, they're going to get lost out of position 
all the time. They're never going to be on the same page. Mm-hmm. Um, so they need to, they need to understand that. I think one of the big, biggest mistakes that a lot of coaches go for is and they say, Oh, well, we're going to play a high, we're going to play a high pressing system. And so they just think that that just means that their goalkeeper needs to be on alert and, mm-hmm. but on alert, doesn't mean that they're actually following the flow of the game on alert just right. means that there's just some kid yeah. who's just standing there waiting for the ball to come to them no if you you're know? playing if you as a goalkeeper if you're playing absolutely with the pressure cover balance and you've got to watch your weak side and your job in that system is literally while your team is high pressing is to make sure your team your back line is already organized for whatever's going on in the in the attacking third because with that high press if your team gets beat, it gets beat quick, okay? And all of a sudden, boom, a, couple, a bunch of players are out. So if you're off chilling and just hanging out and watching and, you know, we'll, take, we'll say Joey. Hey, <laughs> I made it. I made it. Is, is out of position and too wide and not uh, maybe you didn't want I'm to sorry, guys. I'm sorry. No, no. This is something I <laughs> but, would do in the real but, game. <laughs> right. But if you're too wide and we're, and we're high pressing and we're on the opposite side and we get stripped with the ball and now you're high tailing it back. We just talked about this. Your job in that high pressure system, I would say, is organization and is making sure pressure cover balance is ready to go and your outside, your outside backs are tucked in and ready to, ready to balance. And everything like that. And so when you do that, then you win the ball back right away. And that's the whole point to the system. And so that is your job. And that's what, you know, that is that it's so ingrained in my head from Mm -hmm. the national team. Like it's like just just curious and i don't want i, I don't want to you know d- delve into any secrets that are going on or whatever but like what is the typical ucla system that they're that they're, they're you guys have been going no for? secrets no secrets okay no secrets okay <laughs> all, right. all right all right well that, no that talking is, about- all right that, that, that answers that right there uh we will we will we will keep it away no um, there's several and it depends okay. it depends okay. it, you know it really does so um I want to talk about handling crosses because I think this is something that that's overlooked a lot of times when it talks about how a team plays Um, because how you handle crosses, where you position yourselves, all of that incorporates the goalkeeper um, in regards to how high up the field, where do you mark players, all, all those sorts of things. So just Joe, like as you change your system, for instance, let's say if you, if you're playing with like a, like a flat back four uh, versus like a three back system, how does that change, you know, set, set pieces? That's that is a fantastic question, and in my in my notes, that thinking about some process. of these topics, this is going to be something I'm totally flipping back to you guys because <laughs> my understanding of how goalkeepers operate within their own box is very is limited, right? And so I'm hoping that you guys will be able to answer this, and I'll be able to learn. Okay, I think it really depends on the pressure on the ball. Um, you know, I always like I, I don't like people around me, so I always like to push people up and hold a high line, in a sense, because I had really good range. Um, and like, just don't back up, give me this space to work in. And that Tony was always, um, like an advocate of that as well. And then it depends on the pressure on the ball. Like if, if there isn't a good enough pressure on the ball and that ball can be driven in, then, then that changes your starting position and how you have to handle it. If, if that ball, if there is pressure and you still know they're going to, they're going to cross the ball because I think we were talking about crosses right if they're going to cross the ball then you know that ball is going to get floated in kind of cheat more and stuff I I loved to bite at the bit on crosses I loved my range on crosses I loved just coming out and just catching that ball 
flying through everybody, landing, giving a quick half volley up to Mia, <laughs> boom, goal. That's I thought it. it. I thought it was going to be Joey. <laughs> Mia me, me is a good choice. Mia is definitely yeah, that's the better option for you. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? So, uh, like, that for me, that was more the issue. And for me as a goalkeeper, it was making sure I kept my line at the distance I needed it so I could do my work. And so if I'm understanding that correctly, the more – I mean, I guess your, your role as a goalkeeper adjusts greatly based off of pressure, how much pressure is being put on the ball. That will influence how the ball is being played into the box in the first place. And from there, you can decide based off your own personal abilities or you know, your team's philosophy or system of play or however complicated you want to make it. You can decide what your decision and what your starting position and what your actions from there will be. And where the location of the ball is. So right. the deeper the ball goes to the line, the, you know, if the ball's on the end line, um, you can cheat out because right. of the, the angle, mm -hmm. even if they can, even if it's on their right foot and they can swing the ball and you can still cheat out. Right. Okay. So um, if the ball is at more of an angle, then you have to, you have to stay true to your line a little more because they, at this, this day and age, they can take a shot. Mm -hmm. So, um, and like I said, depending on the pressure of the ball, then it, it dictates whether it's going to be a like a lofted ball, flighted ball and everything. So, that was me. It, that, that would be it. It's pressure on the ball. It's the positioning of the ball in the field, the angle of the ball. And then absolutely get out of my six. I don't <laughs> want you in here. I don't. I, I, I think that's really a really good point that you were bringing that up. And I think, Joe, I think one, one thing that I want to address as well, too, is that a lot of times coaches misread what type of system they feel is going to benefit mm -hmm. their goalkeeper the most. Um, I've had, and I, you know, and, and, I, let's just say I'm a smaller guy um, on the smaller side. And so a lot of, a lot of coaches have felt that the best thing for them is if they were going to play me in goal was to stack that box. Well, the problem with that is that I'm extremely mobile as a goalkeeper. Okay. I was extremely mobile as a goalkeeper. <laughs> maybe not, maybe not now with the, uh, with the quarantine. So they would stack the box for you to protect you because they you would stack small. the box to right. protect me for them box. But Which then I have the wrong thing to do. Absolutely, because there's no mobility, and I've got no vision, no clarity whatsoever. Right. So any dangerous ball that's played into the space, I don't have the space to maneuver. So if I if it doesn't get cleared, I'm in get a disadvantage. I'm in a disadvantageous situation. <laughs> that's the subtitle for the episode now. Yeah, right? get just out of my clarify. six. Well, yeah. okay, for me, cool. it was like get out of my twelve, but just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some you know, some some people to get out of their eighteen, you know, with their, uh, with, with their range. But no, but then but then I have to drop line. And I don't have the range because I'm not that big. So there's only so much I can cover in that situation. So um, it, you need to talk. I think this, this is something that I think needs to be held. It's like you need to have communication with all your players to understand what system of play you're going to play. Right. They have to all be on board. You can't just assume the goalkeeper can go with whatever you've got. Mm -hmm. you know? Or you got to yeah, find the goalkeeper absolutely. that fits it. Yeah, and it has to be one or the other. You can't. I mean, building a system of play surround, like off of the 10 outfield players – I think is what coaches so often are tempted to do. Um, and on paper, it makes sense, right? That's the majority of the field. That's where the ball is most of the time, but that's not where the ball is most important, right? You need to make sure that your goalkeeper is in, is understanding what the system of play is and that it fits his or her skill sets, right? Because like you're talking about, Michael, that, that, that situation basically shot you in the foot and it shot your team in the foot in that moment as well. And so if that communication isn't there, you're going to end up harming yourself unintentionally just because you didn't take the time to figure out holistically what system is best for your entire team not just part of it right. yeah and i mean we, we always try to stress the fact is like you know it's like it's a it's a it's it's a it's a one four three three it's not a mm. 
you know, it's not a, it's not a four, three, three, because if you're forgetting about that one player, well, they you know, always do. He don't get counted. I know. <laughs> I know it sucks, right? I know they do. I mean, look, I mean, I just even remember like, I want to, I want to talk about this because we, you know, you just obviously, um, you know, just had a, you know, um, ASA on your show. Mm-hmm. Uh, to re- discuss analytics, and they um they brought them a what was the new st- statistic they were using goals goals on? added yep. goals mm-hmm. added goals added and you know the thing was that was so unique about that was like when they were when he was discussing when John was discussing he was like oh he's like yeah well we haven't gotten to how we're going to incorporate the goalkeeper right. into the statistic right. yet goals and added goals added goals added yep. yeah do you, do you want to break that down just I mean, sure yeah I'll explain it real quick um John Muller did a much better job from American Soccer Analysis explaining it but I'll give it a whirl the idea is an analytic that a statistic that measures plus or minus how each action on the ball or on the field um, influences your team's probability of scoring a goal. So if I pass the ball, a through ball in behind the back line, that action is going to have a higher number of goals added because it's more likely historically to lead to a shot on goal than a pass from me back to my goalkeeper, just as an example. So it's, it's a measure that values each action on the field and how that helps contribute to goals. But what I don't understand is that the goalkeeper a lot of times is that first pass. Mm -hmm. So how is the goalkeeper not incorporated into the So So what he was saying is essentially we can measure everything that a goalkeeper does with this goals added stat except for shot stopping. And so that's why goalkeepers weren't initially included in the metric. This is my understanding on the outside is because... Yes, we can measure their distribution. We can measure a lot of things, tracking data, if that eventually becomes publicly available. You can measure positioning, and that's going to unlock a whole new realm of possibilities for goalkeepers. But right now, the biggest thing that they're still evaluating is how to include shot stopping in that metric. They have ways to measure shot stopping um, with something called post-shot expected goals, which essentially measures where on frame the ball is going to go. So if, if Michael, you kick the ball towards Saskia in goal, um, it, it would be able to measure... First of all, you're not going to score. Second no, of all, not, it would be able to measure. I am definitely not scoring. Same, same here. Same here. That was more of a compliment to, to Saskia than uh, you know, a dig on us. But the idea of that statistic of post-shot expected goals is that it measures after the ball leaves your foot, Michael, where is it going to go? Is it going to go off frame? In which case, the goalkeeper would get a value of zero because there was never any risk of that ball going to goal. Or is it going to go upper 90, which it might have a very high value. So if you save it, props to you, right? That metric is going to show up really well in your favor. And if you miss it, you're not going to be penalized that much because it was always going to pretty much always going to go in. So there are metrics we can use, but goals (laughs) added right now until they somehow fuse those together with post shot XG and the the possession aspects and the defensive aspects of goals added right now, there's not the perfect hybrid for goalkeepers to meet in the middle. This is why we need to keep having more people like Joe on the show. Cause it's just, it's like, it's like in that next, that next level. I, I want to talk about that identification and scouting too, because, you know, um, I know a lot of teams now, at least when I, when I talk to, you know, uh, talent evaluators and say they're used, they're using metrics, they're using metrics, they're using analytics in regards to deciding which goalkeepers they keep on roster, which goalkeepers they sign um, scouting wise and, and how to, how to attack different goalkeepers. Which are the ones that are the most important for youth keepers right now to, to start understanding? I mean, it depends on what you want in a goalkeeper, right? Okay. Um, it depends on, on what requirements you're asking them to fulfill. So if I want my goalkeeper to play out from the back, Zach Steffen, as an example, um, that's a big part of what he's asked to do. Not all of it, but a big part. I'm going to want to understand how many passes he's completing and what the difficulty are, what the difficulties of those passes are, right? So if he's just completing, you know, two-yard passes to me over and over again, 
that's not as valuable. But if he can, if he can drop the ball into a, a weak side fullback or into a, a strong side fullback or whatever it is on the field, if he can play those passes consistently and complete those at a larger distance, that's going to be important to me. If that's not as valuable, maybe I would want something that looks at how how often they're completing passes of distance. Starting that first pass, like you're saying, Saskia, into Mia Hamm. Um, no one's <laughs> probably doing that now, but but you look at that that pass and see how often they're completing passes at a certain distance and how they're working with runners in the attack to do those things. So it really does, at least to me, seem like it should depend on what you're asking for. Obviously, you want them to be well-rounded, right? Um, but depending on what you're looking for, whether you're really worried about shot stopping, obviously that's a constant thing, but whether you're really worried about that or you want distribution or you want distance on your passes, you can look at all sorts of those things to help evaluate young goalkeepers. Why do yeah, so many- We're talking about young goalkeepers, like I think, we're, I think we're overlapping the thought of what you're looking in for like a Zach Steffen, mm-hmm. which is this is what I expect and this is what sure. I want. And so I'll make my decision to take him or not. And then- how much is that goalkeeper, the young goalkeeper coachable? Like how much, if they're not strong mm-hmm. at this and I improve can, that, right. Yeah. I can see this. So mm-hmm. let's work on it. Exactly. You see what I'm saying? So absolutely. Yeah. You're not looking at it for a young goalkeeper. Like, Hey, yo, you're not the full pack. No, it's not Sorry. cutthroat. No, of course not. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> This poor kid. This poor oh kid. It's like, it's like I just kept giving Joe the ball back and forth. The next thing I know, cut, I was cut off the team. I got touches though, and that's what matters. So. I gave good two yard passes. I don't understand. By the way, I love that. I love it. Like when I'm like reading, like, uh, and and I'm not not trying to throw anybody under the bus, but like uh, when I, when I read certain articles uh, out there, and they're like. You know, like Gio Reyna, like you know, had like a sixty-seven percent completed like pa- <sighs> passing percentage. Yeah. It tells me nothing. Yeah. Like Gio Reyna, Gio Reyna gave the ball to Sancho twice. Cool, awesome, right. sweet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he lost the ball once. Man, right. no, does nothing. <laughs> um, another stat that I think is really, I think, is unfairly goalkeepers are unfairly judged on is goals against average, because so much goes into mm-hmm. scoring a goal outside of just the goalkeeper making a save. Um, so why, why do we still even use this? Oh, this, this good method? question. So, yeah. There's so many stats that are, are pretty much useless. Like we've seen coaches like Pep Guardiola and other people push back against possession as a meaningful stat. And I think, I think it is in some ways a helpful, it gives you a guide to how the game was played. And I think that has value, but putting that aside, there are lots of statistics that are used now that have basically no value passes completed. That literally means nothing, right? That is completely useless in every way. So there are stats like this goals against average or like, I you know, like goals, goals, against average. goals conceded per game that <laughs> like, just tell you so little. They don't tell you very much though, right? So if you're looking at them as these like groundbreaking metrics that are going to give great insight, they're really not. So use them for what they should be used for, but also don't like, don't expect too much out of them, I guess. Well, I mean, like the thing is, it's like, I know great goalkeepers who had terrible goals against averages. And I know, I know really not great goalkeepers who had really good goals right. against averages myself included, <laughs> right? But right look there. at the team in front of you. I mean, I'm sure my, our goal was against average for the U.S. team was amazing, yeah. you know, because we never got any shots. So, you know, we got like one or two. The worst thing we ever had was no saves in one goal against. That was like horrible. You're like, I, I didn't do anything except. But these poor out. kids, these poor kids in their <laughs> scouting, in their scouting reports trying to get recruited to colleges, you know, and I'm just doing this in a general, in a general state right here. Um, they use, uh, they use goals against average to try to prove yeah, that they, this kid yeah. should play at a college or whatever, right. you know? Yeah. And it's, that's hard. Yeah. 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 But you don't know who they're playing against. I mean, you know, you don't, there's so many kids trying to get recruited from so many different clubs, from so many different levels and everything like that. And you don't, that means nothing. Like, yeah, it really does. I, I, I wouldn't look at it 
I'll just say that generally. <laughs> um, I had well, to say that in a roundabout too. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Joe, well, Joe, I know, I know you got to start rolling out here because you've got, you know, obviously the major league soccer has got a lot of stuff going on right now. So you got to get, get, get back at it. Um, but we're definitely gonna have to have you back on the show, man. Yeah, yeah. I had so much fun guys. Honestly, thank you for having me. I we'll make sure we do our hair. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe I'll just wear a hat next time. We'll make everybody's life easier. Um, no, I genuinely enjoyed learning more about this. And hopefully, like, I'd love to keep asking you guys questions and learning more because I think there's a lot for me to learn. And hopefully this was helpful to other people out there as well. No, no absolutely. We're always do, here. Do, definitely. Um, if anybody out there wants to know more about what you're doing with The Athletic or um, they want to, you know, listen to MLS Assist, um, you know, where, where's the best place for people to reach out? I'm assuming it's the one and only Twitter. Twitter it handle, is. Right? It's, that's the only social I got. So uh, on Twitter, as you mentioned at the beginning of the show, Michael, at Joe and Cleats or at MLS Assist pod is the podcast. And then you can find the show in uh, the Total Soccer Show feed as well. So plenty of options. Hopefully three is enough for people to, to hit me at. Cool. Awesome. And you can always reach out to Saskia Weber at Saskia underscore Weber. Goals against Sa average fan. Goals against <laughs> average fan. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Remember, contact at inside the 18. That's the number 18 media.com if you have a guest suggestion or a topic suggestion um, at Goalkeeper Podcast on all different social media platforms. That's all the time we have on Inside the 18 today, guys. Stay safe out there. Stay, stay unified. Um, let's all spread love. And uh, we'll see you later. We're out. Hey, Insiders, it's Michael. Before we move on to our next segment, want to remind you all to please keep rating and reviewing on iTunes. Literally takes 10 seconds and helps us out tremendously. Plus, we will follow you back and we may read your review on air. Just leave your social media handle in the body. If you don't have an iPhone, steal your friend's iPhone. It's just that easy. Thanks for all your support and on with the show. Welcome to Inside the 18. I'm Michael Majid, live from Palm Desert, California at my dad's house. With me is 99 World Cup winner Saskia Weber. And joining us is another New Jersey legend, FC Cincinnati goalkeeper Bobby Edwards. Bobby, we just got to keep the Jersey thing going, man. Absolutely. It's the only way to be. So thank you for having me on, man. Like no, I said, you can't, you can't escape it. <laughs> no, you can't. You really literally can't escape it. It's like every single time... I try to look for people that are not New Jersey. I, I, I get shot down. Anytime there's New Jersey people, they're just like, we are absolutely down whatsoever to come, to come on this show. And, you know, the craziest thing, Bobby, is like when we hear people like yourself, you know, who, who were late bloomers, let's just say, and kind of got lost through the cracks, and we just realized there's so much talent in the New Jersey, New York metropolitan area that, it, that it's easy for a specimen like yourself to get lost. A specimen. Specimen. A specimen. Have you seen wow. this guy? It's a yeah. specimen. <laughs> wow. It's a, it's a specimen uh, out there. Uh, yeah, thank you. I mean, it, it's definitely crazy. And, it, and Jersey itself is, is definitely a, a really amazing place for not just, you know, soccer, but just to grow up because um, it is a melting pot. There's so many different cultures, so many different backgrounds. You know, the people that I grew up playing with, my friends from young age, um, I was exposed to just different styles of, of living, of life. Uh, so I think that, you know, at a young age, when you're exposed to such a, you know, variety of those cultures, you really, it grows within you. So I definitely attribute a lot to where I came from, to who I am today. 
And I, I think that's a really good point that you just brought that up, Bobby, because, you know, um, we obviously have been experiencing quite a bit this, this weekend and, uh, you know, um, obviously it, it's, it's been a very difficult time. And, and to be honest with you, you know, Saskia has been sharing, you know, quite a bit. So I'll, I'll let her take the reins on this one. Here. Oh my goodness. I mean, I don't even know what to say without getting upset other than there are helicopters over my house right now. You know, there's so much, helicopter. there's so much hurt and everything like that. I'm on a one, I'm on what 1 PM curfew in Beverly Hills here. I'll work and shut down. Everything's boarded up 2 PM for um, everybody. I mean, 4 PM for everybody. And it's, um, it's sad. It's, you know, it, lost in all of this looting and everything is the real message and the real, the real issue that we're dealing with. Um, and that's what makes, that's, that's what's upsetting to me. You know, the only, you know, when the sun goes down, the only people you're hurting are, are our own community and yourselves and, you know, minority owned businesses. And even if it's not, it's just mom and pop shops and We've already gone, we're going through the coronavirus, which apparently everybody's forgotten about. And, you know, we're going to have a spike in that again. And we're all just trying to, you know, make our way through this. And now we're all going to get set back. I called my pharmacy today and they got totally looted. Everything's stolen. Um, they have nothing. And so for my anxiety medication, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, so it's just, um, it's sad. But at the same time, um, the roots of it go back so far and so long and you know you can argue you know Colin Kaepernick takes a knee and Megan Rapinoe and everybody else takes a knee to try to do this in a peaceful silent protest and they're called sons of bitches so sorry whoever's but that's the truth that's, that's our president you know and nobody's listening and nobody should we should never have to watch anybody be murdered on national television that's what we all saw we all saw that and kids saw that parents has to have to explain this to their children it's 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 a sad day it's a sad it's a sad year to be honest with you and, and i and i think you know one one thing that just myself personally you know i i think we strive so much you know in the goalkeeping community to uh to be inclusive of everyone and respect everyone regardless of you know, their, their background, whatever their background is. Um, and that's even goalkeeping background too, you know, um, it just, the simple matter of fact is, is that one of the things that I really love about this show personally is that we have goalkeepers from all different walks of life on the show. Um, showcasing that through this little stupid game that we play, it brings together people that might never have ever connected if it weren't for this game, you know, Absolutely. I mean, that's me as well. You know, I'm, I'm biracial and I was, I saw a lot of racism when I was growing up and my, my solace was on the soccer field. I was only judged by the way I played, nothing else. And I know that's not true. I know that's a fan. I know that's not true around the world. I know we deal with racism in soccer and everything um, all the time, but you know, I'd rather have it in my face so I can handle it and confront it than behind my back. I'll say that, but this has just gone to a point in um, America's angry. There, you know, 40 million people are out of work. Um, over a hundred thousand people that we're going to hit a hundred thousand people mark with 
people that have passed died. Um, and uh, people have been held down. And I've read a couple of really interesting articles. This isn't like as blatant as like people think it. And like, it's like not like, oh, I hate you, you're black. You know, it's not, it's, there's a lot of oppression. There's like, you know, equal pay. There's um, not being able to get a, a loan for a home. There's uh, not being able to get the right jobs. And, and so this goes a lot deeper than just, than just blatant racism. Like I said, if it's, if it's in my face, you can deal with it. If it's behind my back like that, that's what we've been battling. And that's what I've, I've, I've been confronted with since my whole life. Um, and how do, you, how do you move forward? Move forward from the top down, apparently, with good leaders, which we don't have. So I will just say that right now. And anybody can come at me. Because I'm not hiding, and I like that you didn't say you were in a bunker at your dad's. I did, I did not. Because there's only I, one person in this country in a bunker right now. <laughs> Let that be said. And that, that, is, that is exactly why that joke has been, uh, that, that joke has been burned. Uh, yes. No pun intended. Um, we have Omar. Anyway, I didn't mean to bring everybody. No, okay. no, 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 no. Um, we, we have, we, we have we, to identify this. We have absolutely. to about it. We, we absolutely do. And we have Omar Zini. Uh, Pro GK Academy on on right now. He just just hopped on right now, and you know, um, obviously, you know, you've 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 also you know, we've all dealt with a lot of things. But I I know you specifically, personally, Omar have have dealt with some things in the past, and uh, you know, I just wanted to give everybody, um, not me, not like I control this show, but I think we all just wanted to give everybody the opportunity to express, you know, how they feel right now before we kind of get into the episode because I think I think we have to. I just as Saskia was saying, and, and she said this to me earlier, she said, we have to, we have to, um, you know, yeah, we can't, good. we can't, we can't just, it's not all, it's not all laughs and fun right now. Yeah. It's Bobby, I, I'm sure you're, I, I, Bobby, we will get Bobby's to you. Like, I probably, oh <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I'm with Saskia and I'm sure everybody's sentiment as well of, I mean, it's, you got to draw the line at some point and the fact that like, it's a continuous conversation over and over and over. It's, it's just so sad. And, and we see the systemic racism, I mean, from the top down. And I listened to some guy on the radio today and he was like, you know, we should get back to how America was. This place, this place can be great. And one of the hosts was like, great for who? Great for- Exactly, who, how was who, it? Who control? Yeah. And so to <laughs> me, and he's like, well, no, what it can be. It's like, no, it's never been for the black and brown people. It's never been, it's it, like from the top down, the money is controlled by the 1%. And we all know what the 1% is and how they control it and, it and it you know goes all the way down mm-hmm. and gentrification for example too like everything from the top down so it's 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 just so disheartening to have to finally like get to this point and you know obviously we talk about people who are looting and all that stuff and i think we should separate the looting from the protesting the protesting the actual people like i was watching yesterday and it was like you know some white kids spray painting black lives matter on certain things and it's like you realize that black people are going to be responsible for you, you know, spray painting things. Like, can we please just keep, keep things the way they need to be and peaceful protests. And I mean, it's turning into, it's turning into mayhem, but again, I think the, the root issue is, is systemic racism from, from people it's embedded in us and it's embedded in the police force, which again, police is supposed to protect us. And it's just sad that black men and women from stories that I've heard from my close friends who they've never wanted to tell the story, but getting pulled over, police officers checking their cars and asking them to confess to a crime that they didn't commit because it's like, Hey, you know what, you know how this is going to go if you don't confess. And even though you have nothing in your car, we know that confess so that this can be be easier for you. So it's like those stories and you just go, come on. And I've had them myself. I've had them myself. 
And I feel that stress when you pull onto a street and the cop car pulls up behind you. But listen, I'm going to say this. Um, there are some amazing, there are amazing cops out there. And there are people that are in it for 100% the right reason. And, you know, I trust in our police force. I trust in the people I know that are um, officers. And, you know, when you're in trouble, you are calling 911. So remember that. And, there's think- a bad, and there are bad apples everywhere. And that's true. But we can't just keep saying that. We have to systematically put something in place that does not give them the power to have the power of a police officer or or something or or the president of the United States. And I'm sorry, I will go on my little soapbox right now, but, <laughs> but I'm serious. Yeah. You, yeah. you can't. You can't give. You have to. There has to be a way to root this out. And when somebody has 13 complaints against them for for this kind of thing, why are they still working in the police force? Yeah. Like until something like this happens, like yeah. somebody has to answer for that. And this isn't just one person that this happened to. So it, something has to change. And like I said, I, I have a lot of friends in the police force. I love you all. And you're putting your lives on the line right now with all these knuckleheads out there that are looting. And I was, I was sitting out front the other day. We were sitting out front and some van pulled up and stole the catalytic converter out of a car down the street. I live in Beverly Hills, dude. But no, there are no cops around. There are no cops around because they were all dealing with the looters that we couldn't call 911. Yeah. What is that? What are you doing? Like, what are you yeah. doing? There's a serious issue going on in this country, and that's how you deal with it? Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, just to piggyback on that and not to, you know, you know make a, a long story longer, but just to kind of build on I've obviously been thinking about this a lot in the last kind – of, it's been kind of one of the biggest things on my mind. Um, and I'm kind of a person for sure who likes to – uh, really sleep on things, really digest them before I react because, you know, even in goalkeeping, you can't act on emotion. You have to be able to kind of, uh, you know, absorb it. And when I look back in, into my life, um, you know, in 2000, I made a long uh, Instagram and Facebook post about this, but in 2010 uh, was my first year at St. Benedict's Prep, which is in the, the heart of Newark, New Jersey. Uh, and, and I said in this post, you know, Newark is not a um, stranger to riots. In 67, it was uh, tanks rolling down the streets with, you know, this racial and black oppression that had been going on. Um, and, and it was during these four years of my high school career where I was the minority in the school, there weren't very many white kids that went to St. Benedict's Prep and even less that came from the suburbs. Um, that's kind of where my eyes opened in terms of seeing what existed in this world and seeing that people don't have it like me. Uh, and to see that these guys that I love and that were my brothers, there was this saying, and it's the saying of, of the school, it's whatever hurts my brother hurts me. Uh, and it's something that I think, you know, it's what I've lived by. Uh, it was kind of ingrained in me at such a young age and to be such an important message. Uh, but again, like I said, it, it goes beyond the walls. It's, it's, it's important for all of us because this affects every single one of us. Um, and to piggyback on what you were saying is that, you know, the, the police, they should be equally as outraged because they are risking their lives for this job. And then they are having their reputations tarnished by these that are choosing to abuse their power and to oppress those. And, you know, they are the servers of our community. They are risking their lives. And those are the people that I want there if I'm in an emergency. Absolutely. Um, so they, they, they should be absolutely furious to the ability that people, these individuals are allowed to take away from the credibility that they have as community service people. They are, they are heroes. And, and for, it puts them in danger. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely been a, a sad time, uh, but you know, for me, I like to kind of see the glass half full and 
looking back, obviously, on history, you know, you see a lot of the biggest changes that have happened over the course of history have never been necessarily things that happened overnight or through calmness. It's always been some sort of big explosion, eruption of this isn't okay anymore, and then things change. So I'm still, you know, optimistic. I'm positive that there can be good that comes from us and there will be good that comes from us. So that's kind of my two cents on the matter. No, well said. And St. Benedict's Pret, that's the best. Whatever hurts my brother hurts me. Well, yeah, when I was thinking St. Benedict's, you were just, you know, I was just thinking about, man, just. Didn't Claudio go there? Mm -hmm. Claudio went there, yeah. Tab, yeah, Tab Ramos. Tab Ramos, yeah. Man, just do you guys just produce national team players like out of the, out of the, out of the room? Saint Benedict's Prep does. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's just insane. Soccer just, Town USA, Soccer it's, Town USA. God, it's it's absolutely un, un, understandable. Um, the last thing I, I I will say here, if I'm if I'm if I can share just you know one story, you know one thing that's that's always been difficult for me, you know I I I come from a bicultural background as well as 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 Saski and Omar do as well too, and Bobby. I'm 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 not sure what your cultural background is, but I'm I'm guessing it's it's pretty pretty Caucasian. I, but yeah, <laughs> it's it's I was uh, I was raised by a, I'm a son of a pastor. My father's a United Methodist pastor, so I'm a religious Christian kid who decided to opt into Catholic school. <laughs> but uh, but one thing that that one thing that's always you know been very difficult for me to understand is that based on my appearance, I was given certain liberties that other people did not have even people in my own family who look different than I do just based on genetics and based on how, you know, how the, how, how, how we came out looking, you know, um, by the lottery, you know, there's family members of mine with the same background as me who look completely different than I do. And, and why should I get special treatment compared to them based on, based on something, something like that. And it's, it's just, it's, it's humbling when you know, and you recognize in yourself you know, you've got to you've got to realize that with certain gifts that you've been given, the opportunities that you've been given, that you need to strive for something more for everybody else too. So they they can be guaranteed the same the same civil liberties. Um, and uh, you know, with that being said, you know that's one of the things that I absolutely love about goalkeeping is just like I said, it's like you know, one goalkeeping union. I I don't think there's ever been a time where anyone has ever been like, oh, that's a you know, Asian goalkeeper, or that's a, you know, a, a Peruvian goalkeeper, or that's, you know, a, an American goalkeeper or whatever, you know, I think people just look at goalkeepers. And, um, and, and I think that's one thing I've loved it. Like I was saying to Saskia earlier on about the show is that we're showcasing people, Brazil, Colombia, you know, UK, Japan, you know, we're trying to show that we're all one goalkeeping union inside and we're all unified. So um, anyway, with that being said, are we, is everyone cool with going to goalkeeping? I, I, yeah, I don't want to. Cool. Yeah, we're cool. You know. Um, all right. Sure. Of course. Um, today's topic, guys, uh, is actually identifying the right intangibles in a youth goalkeeper. Uh, the reason I actually thought about this is Bobby and I, we were talking you know, privately off, off uh, camera, and we were discussing you know, kind of how a lot of goalkeepers are kind of thrown to the wayside as youth players um, because a lot of coaches f- focus on what they can see rather than what they can't see. Um, so first up for maybe some people who are listening, who aren't really familiar with what the intangibles are that we're referring to, Bobby, do you kind of want to kind of describe some of those? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's one thing to, when we identify goalkeeping, you know, it's, it's tough to, um, identify the intangibles because they're intangible. Like that is the whole ability. Um, but we're looking at things of, 
you know, your work rate. Are you a leader of your team? As a goalkeeper, it's a position that's lonely. You're in the back and you have to organize everybody. Are you able to command that presence? Are you somebody who's willing to grow? Are you helping benefit the team? Are you able to continue to contribute uh, and be there to support the team in failure, but also, you know, be there to support them in success? Um, you know, and as a youth player, a big intangible for me is the ability to absorb knowledge. How much do you want to get better? Are you looking to improve uh, or are you just looking to be good enough to get by? Um, you know, that for me right there is probably the, the key thing for a youth goalkeeper that will show the amount of success because, you know, a goalkeeper's career is longer than a regular field player's career by nature. So that means that the development scale can be slightly different. You know, you can blossom late and still go on to achieve great things in your career. But it all is about how much do you want to improve? Are you willing to just strive for perfection each and every day? Yeah, no, I, th I think you brought up just a, a really good point in regards to striving for the knowledge. And I think that's one of the really cool things about the, the quarantine time. We always, we, like I said, we're trying to focus on the positives of all the, the, the negative things that have been going on in the world, you know, this past year is the amount of knowledge that not only goalkeeper coaches, but goalkeepers in general have been gaining. And I see the youth players out there who have been, been trying to strive. And I think that is such, a, such an important intangible. Um, I know Saskia every week, Every week she's been Zooming with her goalkeepers. And I know because she starts laughing because of how many Zoom calls she has. But it's so it's – been, they've been learning so much, right? Yeah, you know, it's, it's not easy to have a Zoom session with, with that many keepers. And, like, I, like you, you've been on it with me and, you know, what, they don't have all, all that same situation. So it's kind of hard. Like, it's not like a field player where everybody can do like orders and stuff when we talk about that. Like, um, you know, some people don't have a server, they don't have a wall, they don't have this, that, and that. So, but the, just the mere fact that they're trying to adapt, they're trying to figure it out. And like, you watch that, Michael, like, it was like, okay, so if I don't have this and I don't have that, so what if I do this? And like, trying to figure out how to make the best of this, this bad situation. Um, I think one of the things is what you're talking about is how coachable are you, which I've run into. Like I've run into some keepers that had great possibilities and are just not coachable. And I've never said that in my life, and I haven't really run into that many, but I've run into a couple that it's they just don't want to hear it. They, they whatever they have in their head and whatever mirror they're looking in at the fun house, like they see it a different way and they're – um, and that's one of the biggest things for me. Like, I'm not, I'm not perfect. I don't know everything. Trust me. And that's, you know, I pull from all of you guys. I pull from everybody. But, you know, I know better than a 15-year-old. And <laughs> and I don't know. And, Did you meet I don't know. when he was 15? He, he knew quite a bit at 15 years old. <laughs> but um, that's an important thing for me. I have to be able to work with you. You have, not just me, anybody whether you go to college, whether you go pro, wherever. And even once you're set in your ways and you're older, you still have to be able to work with your team, work with your coaches, work with everybody. Like how, how like open are you to that? Or, you know, that's, that's major for me. I want to talk, Omar, because we were talking about goalkeeper IQ last Monday on Memorial Day, which strangely got like, a thousand views like it was insane like i was like man isn't everybody like you know like with their family right now and you know what's going on and everyone's like nope and said we want to hear omar's point on goalkeeper iq um do you, do you feel that goalkeeper iq is one of those intangibles or do you think that it kind of encompasses the intangibles no i think it definitely 
It definitely is. I think it's, it's huge. Uh, but I think, for example, like growing up, I had obviously the IQ I felt, but the physical intangibles I didn't have because I didn't, I wasn't somebody who was going to learn about, you know, nutrition, go to the gym, do the extra work, uh, physical side of things. I wasn't trying to take care of myself after games, you know, pre-stretching, post-game stretching, post-ice baths, none of that stuff. So I think when we talk about intangibles, you can definitely have a certain amount of intangibles, but if you don't have the full encompassing of, uh, of all of them, I think that's what really separates, you know, Bobby from myself in terms of like guys who can get to that next level because you have those proper things where coaches don't have to teach you anything. You just have those with you that you can carry from place to place. And, and along your journey as a professional goalkeeper, you have to have those intangibles. Um, so I think for any young goalkeeper out there, just really try and open your mind up to the, the possibilities of just touching a little bit of each intangible, whether it's on the field, IQ, off the field, physical, uh, psychological uh, development, watching film off the field as well, developing that IQ even further, all those little things. And if you can kind of get decent at all of them, as you get older, you have a much better foundation and baseline to start with. And as a coach, like Saskia said, like when you are more, we have more of a buy-in to your own development because you've done the off the field research, you're most likely going to be the kind of kid who's going to be coachable. But if you're somebody who's never really opened their mind up to doing other things that, you know, you can't just get at a, in a, in a team structure on the field and you go home and you just don't even think about goalkeeping or soccer at all, then it's going to be hard for when a coach who's that passionate and desires is very desiring of goalkeeping and wants you to, to feel almost the same desire that they have to try and coach you. You're going to be like, screw that. There's no way. So I think it's important to have that buy in on, uh, on and off the field. But I, I think that's one of those things, and, and this is something that I want, I want to bring up with, with you, Bobby, because, you know, you obviously, you've had to s- strive for everything that you've gotten and you've had to claw for it. It's not one of those things that's just kind of come, come easily to you. And I'm not saying that in a disrespectful manner in any way whatsoever. It's just you've had to, you know, I, I, I was the same way. I had to prove myself. You know, Omar, at 11 years old, was given everything, you know. Saskia's just amazing because she's Saskia. Um, myself, you know, I had to work for, I had to work for it. And um, do you think that that's something that can be taught? That's something you can teach goalkeepers? Or is that something that you just have to be born with? No, I think it's absolutely something you can be taught. I mean, it's, it's all based on your values and, you know, how you're brought up. Um, and from an early age, and not to keep harping on St. Benedict's, that was kind of the main message. It's that, you know, you have to be able to open receptive to knowledge and people that know better and, and absorb it and grow from it. Um, and for me, yeah, I've, I've relished in this underdog status. It's kind of been my whole life. And I, I look onto that position um, with fondness, you know, you know, cause it, it's something that I've got to earn everything. Um, and with that same approach comes, there's no time to stop and enjoy the view because as, as quickly as everything has come, it's as quick as it can go. Uh, so there's no time. There's no point in your career. You can go and play in a world cup. You can go do anything, but there's no time for you to be like, wow, look at me. I am the man, you know, I'm so great. Uh, because it'll all just fall apart if you take your foot off the gas for a second. Um, and, and for me, that's kind of been something that it's a combination of things between coaches, my parents, the school, these people that, you know, ingrained in me is that nothing is free. You have to go and take everything with hard work and dedication. And, and even then, sometimes maybe it's not enough. You know, you have to do every little thing right um, to, to find success. And that's kind of been, you know, my main motto through this, this entire journey thus far. I, you know, I think one thing, and I want to bring this up yeah, with Sas. Oh. No, go ahead, Omar. No, no, I think to Bobby's okay. point, I think it's, it's, it, sorry, I think maybe like a second behind, but no, I think <laughs> that's, that's the, uh, no, like Bobby said, it's, it's important from a, from a young age where as parents and as coaches, we're, you know, helping those kids by instilling those little 
not intangibles, but like little reminders as to what the great goalkeepers from, you know, Buffon to Casillas to All Black, those guys who are playing for as many years as they are because of all the little intangibles they did off the field and all the uh, just, yeah, the little things they did off the field to allow them to have long and prosperous careers. And it's not like these guys just, you know, got to a certain level because of their natural ability. They had to have a lot of little things that added up to, you know, greatness. And the only way that these young kids can really, you know, be uh, aware of that is if we as coaches and as parents, I'm not a parent yet, but as a parent to, ex- <laughs> to, to expose, to expose them to no, those little arms. things and attributes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I kind of rambling. If they've got your genetics, they'll be six foot at 11 already. <laughs> um, I, I want to talk about the, I want to talk about this because I want to talk about from a coaching, coaching standpoint, you know, one, I think one of the biggest issues that we have, and I hear this from a lot of coaches out there is that they, they first, the first thing they look for is physical traits. They look for physical traits before anything else. And uh, Sask, why do you think so many, is it just laziness that, that youth evaluators just focus on physical traits? Or is it just that because they really do honestly believe that they can just turn any athlete into a goalkeeper? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I do. I do. Okay. I think that you, I think that if you find that physical trait, if you find a good athlete and stuff, then a coach, whether it's arrogance or whatever it is, can say, I can take that and make it into that. You know, because, but like we've, like we've all witnessed, that's not always true, you know? And like I just said, some people aren't coachable and some people don't get it. I have some phenomenal athletes that don't get it and they're, they'll hit a wall and I don't care what knowledge I bring in or whatever. Like they're just, I can't, I can't, maybe somebody else can get to me. But it's not the opposite either, to be honest. Like it, it's very hard to take somebody that's not that great of an athlete. Um, and, and this I don't want to say this in any way. Like the kid that maybe the kid that isn't very coordinated and stuff like that. Like we, you can only do so much as a coach as well. There needs to be a certain amount of athletic athleticism there. And I personally, I would rather take, I, I, I'm just going to be honest. I would rather give me the athlete because I think with my knowledge and experience, I can give them the, the, the other tangibles or help guide them in that way. But not, but we're talking about very, a specific amount of goalkeeper coaches that take the time and can do that. You know, if you take an athlete and you're on the field and he's a goalkeeper or she's a goalkeeper, you throw him in goal and you think taking shots at her and stuff like that or him and sending her on her way every day, that's it. That's not it. You know, that's not it. And like you said, it's, it's understanding the game. It's watching video. It's understanding how to take care of your body. It's understanding nutrition. It's the whole gamut. And if you're not giving that to them as a coach as well, then they're going to fail regardless if they're a great athlete, regardless how much they want it. Like you, you're there to guide them and help. I I think you just brought up a really good point um, in regards to the coach needs to help recognize those intangibles too. And, and enhance those intangibles. Uh, Like for instance, like work ethic, for instance, like if I recognize a goalkeeper who's got a really good work ethic, I'm going to keep promoting that mentality with them, right? Right, Bobby? I love it. I love it. Yeah. I mean, what I said to just piggyback off that, I mean, it's one of those things because when you're young, it's easy and I'm just the same way. You, you want to train what you're good at. You want to train what's fun. You want to do shot stopping. And one of the things that I was very fortunate to have very good goalkeeper trainers at my life at a young age, um, and they would make sure that they were focusing on the mechanics, the things that weren't necessarily the most glamorous. I didn't like it. I didn't like having to practice, hit the ball with my left foot, you know, <laughs> working on my tech 
technique. It was boring. It, I, I hated it. it. It didn't, you know, bring me a lot of the same way a save does. Uh, but it's those things that as a coach, you have to do because these are the things that if you don't learn them at the young age, you will struggle later on. That is the reality. And, you know, I've seen that happen with a lot of people, even myself, because, you know, we're talking about techniques in terms of I wasn't really until, you know, my later years in high school when I started to figure out what a side volley was. Do you know what I mean? So it took me. I was oh, you were watching catch- all those Pro GK Academy I mean, videos, apparently. Well, they weren't. Well, I'm an old guy. You know, don't forget <laughs> it. Like, I'm, I'm, it wasn't around back then. This wasn't, this wasn't relative knowledge. I remember I the first time I ever. I played when you pick up the ball off the back pass. I don't even right. start with a long time ago. <laughs> exactly. And I'm still kind of down with that rule coming back. Dude, I'm, I'm down with that rule coming back. Are you kidding? Is. My game would go through the roof if they just 100%. did that. Exactly. So, you know, it's definitely to ensure that coaches are able to both identify, yes, athletic ability. I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, you, you need athletic ability to play goalkeeper, of course, but then to find the athletic ability, combine it with the intangible assets, and then, you know, cultivate that into, you know, getting that work ethic, working on the things that are important to set that keeper up for success later down the road. It's, it's a project. It's a long-term growth, you know, and it's long-term success. I will tell you honestly, my success came, started as, as an athlete. I was multi-sport, that was it. I was an athlete, a great athlete. But I, I made sure about everything else because I don't know what, whether it was Lodge or, or Mulch or Prongs Hook or whatever instilled in me, but it was, I needed to do everything else. I needed to figure out like how to set myself up and above the rest. And I needed to... Um, watch soccer and watch it all the time. I needed to, um, you know, work with my trainer, work in the weight room, work on my um, fitness, work on things. I used to train with the track coach at Rutgers. Like work on every little thing I could do to make myself better because just being a great athlete wasn't good enough. It wasn't going to be good enough. And, um, and I knew I could be better if I, if I utilize, if I put all these little tools in my toolbox, then that, that would make me better. Yeah, I, I want to I talk about that. Omar, do you think that that's kind of what separates, you know, because like you, you watch, you break down a lot of game film. You watch, I mean, Bobby knows this because he's a fan of the show. Omar loves to break down game film and he's got a lot of game film and I'm sure he's got clips that he wants to share today. Um, <laughs> but uh, is that, do you think what's, what, when you look at game film, can you recognize the different intangibles and in goalkeepers? where like if somebody else might not be like, because they're not as, as savvy about it, just they kind of go like, oh, that guy's just a good athlete or like, oh, that guy's just not that athletic. Yeah, no, I think you have to watch the whole game. I think, um, like I said, I watched that game last week, the 2009 UEFA Cup final, the entire thing. And Wait, you the start the, to the notice... one that we were referring to last week, that one? Yeah. The, <laughs> well, that's the yeah, <laughs> game, yeah. But no, you can you you can learn so so much about a goalkeeper's tendencies. And I think again, that's the issue nowadays with the social media world and the highlights world is that they only show you the best of each goalkeeper, and then sometimes even the worst. But they don't show you how the shot that was off frame, the way they set prior to that shot hitting off frame that didn't make the highlight tape, the actual goal that they conceded, the way they jumped into that set the exact same way that they didn't show earlier, that that was almost something that process that led up to that mistake or that goal that they conceded. But because they didn't show it to you, you can't really see a trend. So I think that's what I've started noticing when I watch all these games. It's like there's an actual trend that you can see for better or for worse for certain goalkeepers. And you start to notice, you know, who are the ones who are going to make a mistake or, you know, like we talked about with Ederson, he can come out for a ball 
10 times. He can miss it five times, but those last five, he's still going to come out for it because that's in his DNA. That's who he is. And that's just an intangible. If he has no fear, he's going to come out. But until you actually watch the full game and you can actually process, okay, five out of 10 times, he came out for the ball, didn't even touch it. But those other five times, he came out and, and completely made the right decision. Until you watch all of those, you can't really process to see, whoa, okay, the intangible that we're noticing here is a lack of fear and the, and the lack of his confidence being diminished by a mistake. And that's an intangible that you can really, as, a, as watching film, you can really try to see, oh, wow, okay, that, that's what makes him different. So I think, yeah, through watching film, you could definitely see that. But also, so you can see the negative sides of people and, and you know, how they react after a mistake and, you know, what their psyche is, what, are, what is their respect level from their, from their players. Like we see with Peter Schmeichel, like they respected him because he was so – uh, I mean, he's just an amazing goalkeeper. But as he got older and he was still that demonst- you know, demonstrative figure, a lot of his players kind of turned their back on him and like, okay, dude, shut up. Like, we're done listening to you. So it's just you, have to, you, you see all the little things as they get older and, and kind of how things are exposed. You know, it wasn't until like, I was like, I think like in college that I even realized Peter Schmeichel wasn't always yelling. That there was like times where like Peter, <laughs> like I saw him smile. And I was like, oh, wait, there's, he's a normal human being. He's just a normal dude out there. Um, Very rare, yeah. But Bobby... <laughs> Bobby, you know, you're, you've, you've been going through, uh, through the whole experience, you know, obviously recently in regards to, um, you know, playing in Europe, then coming back here and playing in Major League Soccer and everything like that. Do you feel that there are certain intangibles that have kind of separated goalkeepers in your journey that you've seen? Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, and that's just the nature of the position. I mean, it's a lonely position and to do it, you know, it's the old saying, you got to be a little crazy and that's the reality. You're always living on this fine line of success and failure. Um, and that's kind of the thrill that everybody gets out of it. And, you know, as you progress on, and I've played with countless um, great goalkeepers and I've learned a ton from them, the one common attribute that you look at when you look at all these guys is they are these thrill seekers that desire success. They are looking to, you know, be at the, the forefront of that excitement. Um, so, you know, I think that the ones who lack the ability to put themselves out there, the ability to lack themselves, to, to let themselves go and be free to maybe you make a mistake. That's fine. You know, but the ones that are able to play free, play without, like, you know, Omar said, without that, that fear um, are the ones that will go on to have more success. And obviously like everything, this is not black and white. This is not the case for everything, you know, but it's a common theme because as soon as you in the realm of goalkeeping begin to let fear or your confidence diminish, you're done uh, because confidence is, Another massive intangible, if not the biggest intangible, you look at the highest levels, you know, you see De Gea and Kepa, and these guys are the, the world's best goalkeepers. And you can see when they go through little phases of having their confidence, you know, diminish. Um, and they aren't the same goalkeepers. They're not. Um, and that's been true for me. I've had periods of, you know, confidence lagging, and that's natural for anybody. It's how to get out of that. But for sure, absolutely, those guys that have the, you know, the ability to keep their confidence at that level, at, at that high, uh, our, our tendencies, the ones that be the better success. You know, I'm, I'm, it's funny that you brought up the whole confidence thing, because I think one of the mistakes that I made as a young coach, and I don't know if anybody else has, has been here in, in the same boat, is that I, I, cha- I, I basically took confidence to mean cockiness or arrogance, or I, I misidentified it as cockiness or arrogance um, with a, a 9, 10, 11-year-old. And then as I got older, I started recognizing that, like, wait a second, it's not I'd rather they keep that innate confidence and, and fearlessness and ability and, and become a little bit more flexible in regards to coachability. But, 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 but what I was trying to do 
to make my job easier was I was trying to make them more coachable. But in that, in turn, was I was breaking their confidence. Confidence in, it is not, it does not mean cockiness at all, okay? Because cockiness will go away in a second when you do something really dumb. Sask, is, is cockiness an, is it, um, a mask for insecurity? Absolutely, okay. absolutely. It's, it's not knowing how to, it's not knowing how to control what's in front of you. It's not knowing how to, it's like, okay, I'm going to be cocky. I'm going to give this bravado and everything. So everybody's going to think I know what I'm doing. Well, guess what? You know, alter ego. Yeah. Just, just do it. Like like that's, that's confidence. Do it. Show yourself in the field, have confidence. The way you talk to people, the way you um, organize, the way you you manage um, your team in front of you on the field, off the field. That goalkeeper's a natural captain position, but do that with humility, um, and you'll get the respect from your team, and that is confidence. So let, yes. cockiness is not confidence. I want to I want to talk about that, and I want to bring up the, that fact of like, so how Omar, like for instance, like how do you recognize that intangible of actual confidence? Because I think for me, I think sometimes it's hard for me. Sometimes <laughs> I think when I'm watching young keepers. I, I, like I said, I misidentify, you know, arrogance for confidence and I misidentify confidence for arrogance. No, I think you have to uh, obviously do, do your due diligence for each kid. Um, and, you know, for example, I think Tim Dittmer was mentioning this. Uh, I was talking to him a while back and he was saying that this guy who was, I think, on Newcastle, when he was younger, they thought he was going to be too short to play in the Premier League. And then by the time he got to like 18, he got to 6'4". But he had all the intangibles that kept him around. And then when he actually got the height, then that obviously was everything, everything got tied in. So I think we need to understand that obviously from the physical side of things, but also from just seeing these kids on a day-to-day basis and then getting to know them as social, uh, from a social side and from a psyche side, you start to understand as they get older, the layers that you peel back from seeing them on a day-to-day basis, what intangibles and what kind of makeup do they have? So I think it's kind of hard where we try to, you know, get these kids off after meeting them once or twice or even at a camp and it's very difficult to understand what their mental makeup is and have they even hit their ceiling for their mental makeup you know what i mean so i think that's the that's the thing is that we need to be very mindful that kids mature and and um, are hitting their ceilings at different ages but we need to be able to keep them around long enough if we see some some little sparks of their intangibles coming through in, in weekly and daily sessions so i think that's that's super important to to have and, and we talk about due diligence just making sure that we don't cast aside somebody just because the physical traits don't add up or, you know, they didn't answer a psychological trait or they didn't come back from a, a mistake by making an incredible say, but actually a second mistake. You know what I mean? So it's, it's quick. It's easy. It's an easy job to, to just say, ah, doesn't have it. Oh, not tall enough. You know what I mean? It's, it's lazy. So I'm hoping that people can push the laziness to the side and really put their uh, due diligence in. I think one of the tough things for me sometimes is that when I recognize good intangibles in goalkeepers, whether it's, you know, work ethic, uh, goalkeeper IQ, um, you know, uh, confidence, all those sorts of things, a lot of DOCs have shut me down and said, you know what? No, no. What about that dude? No, no, no. This kid's, but this kid, this kid's a goalkeeper. He said, nah, he's like, he's like, he's not, he's not, he's not, he's not he, but he doesn't have the, the size or he's not fast enough or what, blah, blah, blah you know, for what we need right now. And I think that's one of the biggest issues with goalkeeper identification in regards to prospects is that we start looking for the wrong things, the wrong things too early. Like, yes, Bobby, the fact that you're six, six, like that's beneficial, obviously. Right. 
but it's it's not the it's not the whole th- it's not the whole thing, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, Mike, uh, no, as I was talking to, uh, sorry, cut you off, but uh, Tom Wheel, who's the academy director at North City, and he's saying that he in his master's program he did his dissertation on like goalkeeper training and functions, and he did a study that 2016 Euros of the 45 goalkeepers that were starting or that had played in the tournament, only four of them were actually in, a, in academies before they were 12 years old. And those four players were actually field players. They were never actually goalkeepers. Wow. And he was saying that from that, he realized that there's so many kids that are being overlooked because we're trying to find the specimen and the right product at 12 years old when really we're trying to move them into the first team at 18. So there's still about six to seven years in between that we need to give them to, to really develop and mature. And like you said, there's going to be obviously scouting and you're going to have to you know, make a decision at some point of who these kids are, who you're going to allow into the academies. But it's being smart and savvy as to what's the potential look like. And then from there, then as the years go by, you can always revisit those kids that maybe you kept in like a feeder club nearby or somebody who really gained you know, a little bit more height or a little bit more tactical awareness, whatever it is, by the time they hit 16, 17, 18. Those are like the defining years. So I want to ask a question to, to Bobby and, you know, and I'm, I'm not trying to make you be self-deprecating in any way whatsoever, but, but I mean, obviously, like you said, it, it was an underdog story for you. Um, you've ended up in the same, you know, the, the great thing is, is that, you know, all that matters is where you get, where you get to at the full maturation, you know, you and a U17 national team player are at the exact same spot, you know, you guys are both playing in MLS now. Um, what do you think was missing from you as a youth player? Now that when you look back, you go, okay, now I get why I kept getting passed over. What was it? Yeah, I mean, it's tough. There's a lot of different things, you know. And for me, it was, you know, I was always a big kid, but I wasn't necessarily super athletic. I was kind of pudgy, out of shape. That was kind of my defining things. It wasn't, honestly, till Benedict's, they kind of saw me and just, like, threw me through boot camp. Uh, and that's kind of where my life changed. And um, one of the things, you know, that I, to both answer your question and kind of piggyback on both, you know, the, the things that they said before that is that young goalkeepers, one of the biggest things that I tell any goalkeeper that I work with as a young, as a young player is find your strengths now, see what you're good at and play to those strengths and then and try to improve your weaknesses along with it. But obviously for me, it wasn't until like high school where I said, look, I'm a big dude. Like I need to be able to make sure that whatever I do, that I make sure I play to those strengths. So crosses, those are my bread and butter because it's not just because I'm 6'6", because I put in the work ethic. I put in the ability to make sure my footwork to the cross leads up. I read the flight of the ball. But I made sure that there was no questions asked. Like, that is my bread and butter because that's my strength. Um, and so, you know, obviously, you don't need to be 6'6 to find your strengths. Whatever your strengths are, you need to play to them. You know, that's one of the great things, too, is that I'm working right now at FC, you know, with Spencer and Titi, both fantastic goalkeepers, both decorated backgrounds, but both very different in their styles to the game. And to watch them and learn and observe what's working for them is great because I just watch them observe and then I try to incorporate it in my game and see if it works for me. Um, you know, Spenny is definitely one goalkeeper who he is unbelievably pacey. He's able to cover the whole goal and make up for it, even though he's a bit shorter than I am, because he's so quick. You know, and TT's got impeccable form um, that I'm still trying to, like, wrap my head around how he does it. He pulls out the Danish catch all the time, and every time I see it, I'm just like, how did you do that? Uh, but yeah, for, for, for me, it was always just kind of, you know, making sure I was, you know, athletic enough in the ability to be quick. You know, that was one weakness that I improved upon, but then also just finding my strengths and growing on them. Um, it's by the way, it's so, we're so funny that you were just talking about like, like Spencer, like being like short. Cause I'm just like thinking like, man. I didn't say that. I didn't say <laughs> that. I didn't say no, short. No, I'm not I short. Okay. Short. You didn't say short. Just a, a little, Small, I'm a, a little, little shorter He's than you. A little short line. 
but yes. that that makes me think of like just how small I am when you. When you <laughs> I mean, I guess to every, I guess to you, everybody's a little bit shorter. Um, but uh, no, uh, what was it? Was I was I getting? Oh, the Danish cat is. By the way, is there a week that we can't go by without talking about the Danish catch? I feel like it's the, it's the hot it's, take right it's now. The hot take. It's the hot take. Uh, Omar, Omar, you're gonna have to start doing a demo of the Danish catch yourself. You know. No, but yeah, eventually. But uh, Bobby, kind of, kind of want to build off what you were saying, and I think one, one of like the, for me at least, the intangibles that I've realized over the past for myself and for other people is consistency and I think like having good form to me is an intangible that I have it on my website actually as one of my things is can you be again sorry I want to talk about this from like the top down I think consistency you can draw so many different lines to it consistency meaning okay through a college season if you have 18 games and you have three games in a week do one day game for the Wednesday game are you taking care of your body are you putting in the right nutrition for your for your meals are you stretching are you going to rehab are you doing all this stuff so that the next game you're just as physically and mentally sharp as you are for the Monday game and are you fit enough from your preseason trainings from your uh, workouts from your goalkeeper trainings all that stuff that lead into this and that is going to allow you to create that consistency on a on a week-to-week basis and I think that is an intangible in itself that really covers so many bases for us whether it's uh in preseason off season all of that stuff and i think it's very very underappreciated and i think that's what separates the best goalkeepers from, from the rest i mean we get we saw casillas for so so long was so consistent amazing goalkeeper and then all of a sudden when Mourinho came in some stuff happened he wasn't getting his minutes like he was he wasn't able to keep that same consistency consistency and keep that same form so when he got into games he didn't look like himself because he's never had to endure that so i think that was the the again not a beauty, but it was good to see what can happen if you don't get those consistent games and if you don't have the consistency uh, in your form as well. I, I just I love the fact that you just brought a consistency because I, I, I hadn't even thought about it. And this is what I love about this show is like when I get brilliant people like, you know, Saskia and Omar and Bobby and, in, in no particular order. I don't want anyone to think I'm, I'm, I'm choosing. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy. With, I, I accept that. <laughs> but uh, is, is that we get I to think ha- I, I think the key thing, sorry, I didn't interrupt you. I think no, the key go. thing that Bobby said about him, you know, what, he focused on what he was best, like strong power. Yes, he was 6'6 six, six and crosses. But, but that being said, that doesn't mean you could get to the cross. So he had, you know, making sure that your footwork was down, making sure that your positioning was right, making sure that you did everything you had to do to you to be the best at that great asset. It wasn't just like, Hey, I'm tall. I'm going to go get some crosses, you know? And, um, that's important. The basics are important. The footwork's important, everything. And those things that you're not good at, if you have those things down, we can work with that. If you have the basics down, if your footwork's, if your positioning's right and stuff like that, then we can work on it. We can adjust it as coaches. We can help you, make the things you're not good at better and the things you're good at great you know but if you're just like hey i'm six six i'm gonna go grab some crosses it's not gonna happen this is my issue with combines personally my issue with combines personally is that it's not a big enough um a big enough of a uh, platform to really showcase what a goalkeeper can do uh omar was bringing up consistency you can't really track a goalkeeper's consistency in a, in a, in a showcase, you know, or a combine, you know, where they're, they, they play, you know, 30 minutes, you know, and you saw 30 minutes of that goalkeeper and you saw them warm up a little bit, you know. Well, it's the you, same thing with recruiting. It's so hard. I get, ah, I don't know how much you might, but I get videos and it's just like, like, okay, 
it's your saves, your saves, your saves, your saves, your saves, but I'm not seeing a breakdown. I'm not seeing why you were in the position you were in. I'm not seeing a buildup. I, I, and then, you you know, you're not putting in, putting in crosses in. <laughs> why didn't you put any crosses in, you know? And so sometimes I'm just like, I, I need to see you in training. I need to see the footwork. I need to see what's going on. Like, I, I need to see positioning. It's not just, hey, there was a breakaway or there was a shot and I made a great save. See? Like, and no. I think I think I think Sask for you just wrote real quick Omar before before cut cut off it has nothing to do with you know what what level your what your level your 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 coaching at you know you could no. be re- referring to scouting youth players you could be referring to scouting absolutely, pro players absolutely. you know it's it's the same same exact thing uh, go ahead Omar uh, no I think and again with social media nowadays kind of allowing us to peel back the layer of professional athletes you know Cristiano Ronaldo people look at him and go oh you know specimen this, that, and the other. But when you actually watch like the movies that he's made of out himself, I'm sure there's obviously he has creative direction. But at the end of the day, the guy is ridiculous in terms of how much rehab and how much strengthening he puts into his routines. Same thing with, uh, with uh, LeBron James, almost $2 million a year, every single year, every season, trying to get himself into peak fitness. So the fact that like us players at a young age and watching these goalkeepers, we were like, oh, why is Brad Friedel playing until he's 40 years old? And I find 40. out he plays until he's like 45, dude. What are you talking about? Okay, sorry, I get a little older. But then you start see, you hearing about that and you go, whoa, okay, there's an actual reason why these guys have played for as long as they have. You see Buffon on vacation playing in goal. I don't know where he was. He's on vacation. He's in goal, has his shirt off, and the guy's yoked at like 38, 39 <laughs> years old. And you start, again, you start really peeling back the like, I can't believe, I, now I'm starting to understand why these guys are the elite athletes that they are. Omar, so we goes, put, you put as much off the field as you do on the field. And exactly. My, no one my, knows that. People don't know no, that. I know. My, That's the my hard part, days, yeah. when kids ask and stuff, my days were like, okay, I was out of practice for an hour and 45 minutes. Or I went to goalkeeper training for like an hour and 45 minutes, usually not two hours. Then after that, I went to the gym. Then I, and I worked, met with my strength and conditioning coach. Then after that, certain days I'd go meet with the track coach and work on my explosion off the, out of the gate and off the block and running for him. Um, and then other, and then I'd do video or stuff like that. Like it was more off the field on like with other people than it was with my goalkeeper. Yeah. To be honest, you know, yeah. because yeah. it's the whole package. Well, that's exactly so going back. What Bobby's point was about, understanding what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are. And then from there, reverse engineering and figuring out the proper steps to maximize on your strengths, but also to bring your, your weaknesses up to a certain level that's commendable to you know, pay a professional athlete, get division one scholarship, whatever it is. But again, another intangible is the discipline to actually get that work in and put that planning into effect. And I think, again, one of my major downfalls of me not going to you know, the next level is because I had so many terrible habits that I didn't really appreciate or even know that they were a thing. And then as I got older, like I said, I saw Buffon, I saw all these guys where I'm like, okay, there's a reason why. Look, look at their bodies. You have to look the part. Look at their He's bodies. <laughs> look, at, look at their bodies compared. No, I'm serious. I mean, you brought up Buffon like seven time. times. <laughs> I mean, the guy, has, the guy has a better body at 40 years old than I have had in my entire Listen, my point is, and I'm agreeing with you, my point is this, it's identifying those weaknesses and figuring it's not just going to happen. Like you can't just keep going through the same motions and the same practice and then all of a sudden think one day you're just going to wake up being better if you're not good at crosses or if you're not good at, um, you know, collapse or breakaways or something. You have to break it down as an athlete and figure out what is it that is holding me back. Okay, so I'm not getting to a 50-50 ball as fast as I should. So what did I do? I worked with a track coach and I worked on one, two, three-step explosion out of the gate. 
Like it's, it's going other places as an elite athlete and figuring out how can I do that to influence that? So now uh -huh. my first three steps are boom, 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 explosion, explosion, fastest person over the first 10 yards. Great. You know, so that, that is the things that set you apart, but you're right. It's, do you want to do the work? Do you want to break it down and find other outlets to, to figure that stuff out? And I then you'd have a body like Buffon. <laughs> I think I think I think one of the things that you're gonna you're gonna see a lot this summer as as all these leagues come back is you're gonna see the goalkeepers that have these intangibles because they're gonna flourish they're gonna flourish and the ones that don't I I'm I mean I'm again I'm not calling out names but we've had the Bundesliga has been back already uh, for the last few weeks some of the other leagues are now back the Danish Super League I believe is back Portuguese league is back um, and we're already starting to see a little bit of a of, of, a, of a notice of, of who, who was ready to go and who wasn't ready to go. And I think you're going to see an MLS. I'll tell my club kids right now. I see you on Fridays, but I'm going to know, I'm going to know, come, come getting on the field, who only showed up on Friday. <laughs> and who, who didn't do the work when I wasn't on a Zoom call. But, but we, and we can attest, there's going to be surprises in regards to certain keepers are going to be playing that nobody thought were going to be playing because other people weren't ready. And that person's going to – those people are going to grab their opportunities. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's the picture I'm talking about. Wait, is that Buffon? Yeah. We did not just put that there. <laughs> Dude, it, just, it looks like you're at the mall. Like that's just the Abercrombie ad in the background. Or something. You, should, you should just put your head on top of it. <laughs> also, what's going, on with yeah. the spray, what's going on with the spray tan with Buffon right there, dude? That's a uh, – I think he's just naturally tan. Dude. He's just I don't naturally know. tan like that, man. Uh, that, that's that's got to be the most distracting of all the virtual I, backgrounds. Are you having fun yet? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, well, by the way, we're, we're at this point. Um, Hector Castro uh, just commented. He goes, my boy is trained with one of Bobby's coaches, John Plogic, here in New Jersey. So yes, shout, out, yes. shout, out to, shout out to John. That's um, – but what's his handle? It's not modern goalkeep goalkeeping, right? It's a uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, modern goalkeeper training. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, so and just to the I bet he he owned the whole well at least his account. There's another good photo. The his he was an account for modern goalkeeping before it became what it's terribly known for today. But that's a whole other. I don't. I, we don't need to get worked up too many times in one podcast. <laughs> No, no, that's that, but, that's, um, yeah, that's a different that, intangible right yeah, there. He's one of the guys too that you know he was with me at St. Benedict's. Yeah, that is different, and that's you know <laughs> to kind of what I was going to say a little bit earlier too is one thing that youth goalkeeper is very good to do. It's to pick a goalkeeper in professional ranks that is close in similarities to you uh, and follow them and watch what they do. And that was what I did when I was a kid. I just watched YouTube after YouTube video of Fraser Forrester, and he is my my idol. He's the guy I've always looked up to because he was like me. He was this big, huge dude. It uh, looks like he should be playing basketball. Um, and then I watch what work for him. And obviously, I respect, you know, the Manuel Neuer's, you know, the De Gea's, the, these are all fantastic goalkeepers, but it's unrealistic of myself to look at them and be like, oh, I'm going to play like them because we're just completely different body types. And to find somebody that sim is similar in your category of play and watch what they're doing and just observe and the little details of how their mechanics work. It's, it's so crucial. Yeah. No, I, I think yeah. you, you, dude, I mean, hold on, hold on. Who, Omar, who's that behind you now? <laughs> it's Bobby. Oh, that's Bobby. I can't see. I can only see. I can only see the. Uh, oh, you can't see his head. I can see his head. No, I can't see his head. Oh, okay. Damn it. Okay. Sorry. Oh. Okay. 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 Now I see. Uh, now. <laughs> a little delay the, there. Huh? A little bit of a little bit of a delay. A little bit of a delay right there. Um. 
let's talk about this. Should we point out intangibles that goalkeepers may be lacking um, when we're when we're trying to develop these goalkeepers? You know, and how about should we go about doing this so that it's going to be productive for them? Because maybe they do have them, and just no one's ever really driven them out of them before. Yeah. Does that yeah. Make, does it make any sense at all? Well, what I'd say, absolutely. I mean, it, it's tough. I think it's honestly another case by case on what intangible you're talking about, you know, because obviously if we're talking about confidence, you can't just tell a young goalkeeper, be like, hey, be more confident. You know what I mean? You can't just say you're not confident because that's going to have the opposite effect. You know, um, obviously, with you know, the flip side of treating your, your body right on off days, that's something that needs to be said. You know, a lot of these kids that are young, they don't know the things that they have to do. They have the youthful ignorance and arrogance of my body feels great and it's going to feel like this for the rest of my life. I wish my body felt as good as it did back then. You know, so to learn and engrave in these, you know, obviously in different little intangibles, yes, it is important, but you have to pick and choose which ones you're going to, to use and to harp on to get the best benefit from it, in my, in my opinion. I, yeah. I think I, I think that's a really I think that's a really good point. I mean, my my mistake that I've made in the past is I've pointed out flaws in kids, and and again, this is just you know just growing up and becoming a better better goalkeeper coach and better teacher, is the the t- timing of how you say things and when you say things. And I'm yeah, like I've what, been, but we've talked about that. And like you need to flip that. You need to flip it in a context and a conversation that the kid the kid knows. You know, they know what they're weak at. Like, you know, most of them do. So flip it in the sense that they're coaching themselves. Like, you know, like we've talked about, like, you know, why do you think this happened? Why do you think this keeps happening and stuff? And let them express that to you. And then then they feel a little more secure and a little bit more power in the conversation. And you're not just waving the finger at them. It's like, you know, okay, so how are we going to work on this together? You know, it's not all roses. And sometimes you got to yell at a kid, but But do you see what I'm saying? Like, if you make them feel like they have control and some sort of power over their own faults and their own mistakes, they know they're making them, well, then let's work together and figure out how to stop making them. That's just my thought. Just to to add on to that, and it's it's very similar um, between coaching and and speaking to young goalkeepers in terms of how a goalkeeper also speaks to their team. And one thing that it was my mom who always raised me like this, it's for every one negative thing you have to say, 10 positive things and that's kind of one thing that I have found to be massive for me and how my voice comes across on any platform whether I'm coaching or whether I'm speaking to my team is because when you have something that needs to be a critique it is it falls on ears that are willing to listen when most of the time what you're saying is positive reinforcement because then all of a sudden there you will always tune out if there's just too much if you've got a goalkeeper who's just yelling all the time it eventually just becomes nonsense nobody listens but if you if you speak through if you you know speak softly carry a big stick as this says the saying goes make sure that you know your words aren't just all one side it can't just all be positive it can't just all be negative but to make sure there's a good balance between the two yeah no that that's that's a really good that's a really good point because i mean and i and i think that's the mistake i've made in, in the past is like you know if it's like three negative things and one positive thing well they're not going to remember that positive thing they're only learning to remember that negative the negative things Absolutely. that you, you were Absolutely. saying What's but listen, you kids, yeah, you're a goalkeeper. You have to be able to take criticism, and yeah. and you gotta you gotta have a thick thick skin. But there's a way to teach young kids how to do that. That that that's an intangible too. Having thick skin, that's an intangible too. If you can see a goalkeeper that can deal 
obviously, you know, Bobby, one of your intangibles is that the fact that you can deal with um, resistance, you can, and you can deal, um, you know, um, with, uh, with, with turmoil, all that sort of thing, uh, and, and, and come out on top. And, you know, I've seen goalkeepers where the second anything's not going the way they expect it to, they fall apart. They fall apart. And so I, I, sorry, I'm going to go ahead. I keep cutting you off. No, no worries. Go ahead. I was, I'm probably going to tell, I'm going to tell a story, but I don't want to veer off this point. <laughs> well, all I was going to say was just that I think that intangible right there is one that is definitely grown over time. That's not something that people are just born with. Because myself, I look back on my career, you know, when I was a young goalkeeper, I used to definitely have these times where it, I would be shook. You know, I, would, I wouldn't, you know, feel confident if things went wrong. And that takes experience. It takes games. It takes playing you know, continuous matches to kind of gain that experience to know what you're doing. So that right there is definitely one that, you know, I used to remember being a younger kid and being like, why do I get so nervous when I make mistakes? Like, what happens? And then eventually over time, as I got older and more mature, it was definitely something that I saw improve dramatically. Yeah, I, you know, I think that as you get more experience too, probably, yeah. you're able to deal, you're, you're able to deal with, uh, why can't I can think of the word? You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. You also resiliency, you, no resiliency, you, yeah, resiliency. But as you understand the game, like when yeah. you're a kid, you know, and you got parents yelling at you that aren't your parents because you made a mistake and stuff like that, and your team yelling at you and stuff like that. Like you know, you want to crawl into a shell. But you know, as you get experience and as you learn the game and understand it's a team sport, understand that you know Bob didn't didn't score the goal. And that Joe didn't mark up on the weak side. And, uh, you know, I've, I've got a breakaway against me when I'm goal. Like, you start understanding, like, the break. I know that sounds simplistic, but it's true. And, like, it doesn't come all at once. And it does take time. Um, and parents ask me that all the time. Like, how do you deal with this? How do I deal with my kid when they go home and they're so upset because, you know, they got this and that and the other? And, and I tell all my kids, I'm like, look, we'll go over it, you know? There's plenty of breakdowns on the field that ended up in the goal. Now, if you let the ball between your legs, we're going to have a problem. I'm going to be upset about it. But, but we're going to work on that too. And so, you know, but it takes time. It does. It does. It's not easy to deal with that. And especially kids nowadays, and we've talked about this, they're playing in goals, in my opinion, too soon that are too big for them. So all the other teams are doing is shooting the ball high, and the game score is eight to, eight to seven. You know, and every ball was just a balloon ball over five – four or five goalkeeper and it's just like yeah, yeah. What, what's going on like, yeah. yeah you know um go ahead omar no so i'm gonna share your story you're gonna share your story now <laughs> yes i'll share my story i was uh 15 we were at the sum cup it was like uh, all mls academies were there and we were playing against the red bulls and i think we tied one to one but at the end of the game it was probably like the last game of the night people were like you know just finishing up watching the fields next to us and the ball came over the top i yelled away but my defender, I don't know what he thought, but he kept shielding it. And then finally, like, it almost turned into a goal because we all collided into each other. Finally went out of bounds and whatever. So at the end of the game, my goalkeeper coach, who I've mentioned here a bunch of times, Air Force I'm not going to say a word. I'm not going to say a word. <laughs> Air Force background. And, and he was like, hey, like, what, what happened over there? And I was like, well, I told, I told him away. And he's like, Omar, if you said away, there's no way any of, any of us heard it. Like, I didn't, I, I didn't hear it. No one else heard it. And I was like, well, I did say it. He's like, Omar, you need to have a presence back there. Like, you need to be somebody that is commanding. And I was like, yeah, but I said away. And he's like, okay, say, say it how you said it. So 
I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, I want you to say away as loud as you can right now. So I can hear exactly the way you said it. And I was like, okay, <laughs> sure. So I said like, like away. And he was like, oh my God, Omar, that's, that, 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 that is absolutely, away? he's like, yeah, that is absolutely pathetic. You know what? Like I'm not even, I, yeah, I, 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 it's the first, time I'm, first time I'm agreeing with your old goalkeeper coach. Away, by the way. If you want. But then this, this story ends well, the story ends well, so kind of what's your question, Mike. So then I said, and he's like, Omar, that's absolutely pathetic. How do you expect anyone of your teammates to hear anything you say? And he's like, I want you to say it again, but actually mean it. So I yelled it. Cause I was like, cause he wants me to say it. I'll just, I'll scream it. So I yelled it extremely loud and you could see, you know, how like nearby people were walking by and people's heads started to turn. And it was like those, that's very awkward. Cause it's like that one kid who's being, you know, told off by their parent and everyone else is watching. <laughs> so I like, I yelled it and then people turned around and he said, Omar, do you understand what just happened? And I was like, no, he's like, people felt your presence. You see those parents over there. You see those kids walking by everyone turned their head because they heard you. And I was like, oh, damn, that's, that's pretty accurate. He's like, yeah, so from this point forward, when you come out for a ball and you want something to be done, you need to have some force and you can't be screaming uh, like a little kid. You have to be extremely vocal and loud and have a presence. So again, like that, tell that story because as a coach, it's not just one thing to, sh to tell the kid what the repercussions are of actually having a presence, but prove to them what the actual repercussions and the, the positive things that could happen. So, I mean, I don't know if that was his re reason why I did it, but he showed it to me. And I was like, from that point forward, damn. Okay. From this point forward, I need to really be vocal about when I come out for a cross, come out for a ball, call away or whatever. I need to be vocal because I know exactly how that feels. And I've seen it. I've seen the picture painted for me now. By, uh, by the way, so I just want to know, we're just, we've gone over an hour right now. And I know we, we got into the episode a little bit, a little bit late because, you know, obviously there was some pressing issues that we, we did need to uh, discuss on the show. Um, and if anybody, you know, is tuning in late, you know, you can uh, listen to the, the earlier feed of, of the show. Um, but before we go, I kind of want to ask everybody here if they're willing to share what intangibles they had that they felt that got them to that, that next level. Um, you know, and uh, Bobby, obviously, you know, you're, 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 you're the one who's still playing currently right now. Um, you know, Saskia has every intangible known to, to humankind, uh, because she played at the, the ultimate level. Uh, and Omar's probably going to say that it, he was missing a couple of intangibles and, uh, and I play, and, and, and I'll just say that I did play soccer. Um, so that, that's, uh, that's where I'll end it right there. So whoever wants to start. So the kids just kind of know what, what it kind of takes and, and what it took you guys. I'll, I'll start us off. All right, all right. Um, you know, for me, it's tough to honestly look and identify specific things. But if I were to try, it would probably be, you know, the desire to improve and learn and grow. Um, and those sound simple when you first say them. But when you look deeper, um, goalkeeping is an obsession of mine. It's, it's the one thing in my entire life that I've dedicated the most to, you know, studying it, trying to apply it to my game and try to apply it to my knowledge. I watch countless hours of footage of all different goalkeepers to try to improve my, my own game uh, and for me that was that's always how it's been it wasn't something I was doing consciously it's just because I'm obsessed with this uh, and you know as a youth player that's something that is so vital now especially um, in, you know in the, in the generations we live where there's so much information at your fingertips albeit you have to find the right information you know all right so don't be looking at certain posts um, but to go and watch and observe what others are doing and then incorporate into your own game, that was something that I, I did regularly. Uh, and then another one I always did was I never compared myself uh, to others. 
um, at a young age. I never tried to be better than him, tried to be better than them uh, in terms of my talent or ability because I feel that that's a trap very easily set um, because you're always chasing a carrot on the end of the stick because there's a ton of goalkeepers, right? And if you're always trying to judge yourself based on somebody else, uh, you're going to cut stuck in this loop of it never stops. There's always going to be somebody that is an amazing goalkeeper and you can't keep chasing that one player. You can only build upon yourself. So I would always challenge myself to be better than I was yesterday. That was, that was kind of my thing. I always wanted just steady growth, improve, you know, slow and steady wins the race. Uh, and, and it's, it's paid off so far and my approach won't change. You know, I've, I've gotten to where I am through these approaches. Now that I'm here, it, it doesn't change. It's the same thing. It's obsessing over footage of goalkeepers, and it's the desire to, to find more and improve. Toski, do you want to share? Uh, work ethic, um, focus, and intensity. Omar? <laughs> she, she's like just very straight, cut and dry. She's like, I, she's, like, I, she's like, I know them right off the top of my head. Kids, just have, just have work ethic, focus, and intensity, and you'll be just like Saskia. That's all you got to do. <laughs> No, I'm just like, I was like Bobby. Honestly, I, I was, I mean, I, as you guys know, like I love goalkeeping. It's I, I live, breathe, sleep it every single day. I wake up and I'm watching clips myself, myself coaching other goalkeepers working um, YouTube clips, other coaches coaching. So I'm always trying to learn. I'm always trying to see the little things that I could try to add to my game. Um, and so from a young age, just being able to sit down and watch games and have a notepad and, and try to figure out what, what each goalkeeper is good at and what I could steal from them. And, you know, like we talked about, Bobby was with Fraser Forrester. I mean, six foot six, six foot seven guy matched up really well. And it wasn't so it wasn't until I was probably like 14 that I realized that Peter Schmeichel was like, there's a reason why he wore a triple XL jersey. Like, I didn't know he was that big of a dude. And then I probably like now that I know that I'm like, probably I probably shouldn't have been like trying to steal his star <laughs> jump and like all this crazy stuff that he does because I'm not that size. But I just was so in like, I had this like intrinsic love for the game. And every time I watched something, I wanted to apply it to my game and through trial and error. And then just having, you know, different goalkeeper coaches share their knowledge with me. That was how I got better. So my, I think my intangible is just loving the position to the point of almost like to a fault where it's just like, it's just, you're, you're literally watching on a, on a Friday night, like 10 PM, I'm watching YouTube highlights and I'm just like, I'm satisfied with this because I love it so much, but I think other people will probably find it weird. What's your girlfriend doing? Yeah. <laughs> no, she's, she's cool. She gets it. She gets it. She understands. All right. Uh, and it, she's and a Galaxy for, fan. So and, for, and, for me, and for me, guys, I will say spite. Uh, just spite. I wanted to prove everybody wrong who didn't believe in me. No, um, it, wasn't, it wasn't just spite. Uh, it was work <laughs> ethic and positive mindset, to be honest with you. Um, as a smaller goalkeeper, um, I had to prove myself every single time I got on that field. And the only way I could prove myself is if I put more work in than everybody else. And that when everybody else didn't believe in me, if I still believed in myself, that was the only way I was going to ever be able to play in college, ever be able to play after college. All of that is if I put that work in. All right, guys. Well, well everyone's got to get going. It's been a weird day. Uh, thank you for joining us. And we got a little bit of an escape with talking a little goalkeeping today, which was always great. Um, before we go, uh, Bobby, if anybody else out there, they want to know more about your story, um, if they want to reach out to you and they're looking for advice, maybe they're trialing in Europe, that sort of thing. Where's the best place for people to reach out to you? Uh, anywhere. Cause all my social media stuff is the same. It's at R Edwards GK. I can think you can guess what the GK is for. It's not that unique. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously you can reach out to, to Saskia at Saskia un, underscore Weber. I almost said Saskia under Weber, but it's underscore Weber. Uh, and then pro GK Academy underscore for Omar Zini, guys, remember, contact at insidethe18media.com. 
for that's the number 18 media.com if you have a guest suggestion or a topic suggestion or at goalkeeper podcast on all social media platforms uh again guys uh thank you for honestly i needed this today it was cathartic for me um to uh discuss everything that we did up front and also it was cathartic for me to get back into uh just talking goalkeeping because uh you know i think i think we need to keep staying positive and still keep bringing positivity into the world and that's i think one way that we do it is by by uh continuing to love this uh this position and and to and to spread knowledge remember whatever hurts my brother hurts me that's my that's right i love you guys love you you all guys have a good one that's all the time on inside the 18 we're out later (laughs) 